A woman screaming at us, calling us animals as we dragged her son from their hut. We weren't animals. Animals are true to their nature, and we had betrayed ours. I cut that young boy's throat myself as his mother screamed, and my friends held her back. That night, I felt so shame. Shame was so heavy on me, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep. All I could do was stare into that dark sky and listen to that mother screaming her son's name. I'll hear her screaming the rest of my life. I know I can never bring that lad back. All I can do with time I've got left is bring a little goodness into the world. That's all any of us can do, isn't it? Never too late to stop robbing people, to stop killing people, start helping people. It's never too late to come back. And now, from the crypts of Winterfell, it's your favorite podcast of Thrones, Game of Microphones, with Sir Duncan and Lady Rachel. Winter is here. Seven save you, friends, and welcome to Game of Microphones. I'm Lord Sterling, Sir Duncan, wielder of the axe of free men, Charlene. Nice. And I'm Lady Rachel of House Fox, the overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> and this is episode 99. On this episode of our series Rewatch, we're covering Game of Thrones, season six, episode seven, The Broken Man. And in case you're not already aware, this series, Rewatch, is from the perspective of someone who's current on the show. That means you've seen up through Season 7. If not, there's still time to get stabbed in the gut by a waif posing as an elderly woman who makes sure to twist the knife so you don't have to hear these spoilers. Warning. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Wow. What an episode. Were you surprised to see Sandor come back when you first saw this? When I was a first time watcher? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. The second I saw that big ass guy carrying the log, I was like, <laughs> that's the hound. Nice. Really? <laughs> yeah. Sick. Yeah. I, I knew by the name, the broken man, I was like, oh shit, it's gotta be Sandor. Oh really? Yeah. From yeah. book stuff, you know. From the book. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. But I was super, super excited. Obviously I love the hound, you know? I know you do. Yeah. You have that cool helmet, yeah, too. True. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, again, we I feel like last episode was a little bit of a lull compared to all of the other episodes so far. And this episode kind of picks back up again. Yeah, definitely. And um, my goodness, we go a lot of places. We talk <laughs> to a lot of people. Yeah, we don't see Danny this episode, do we, though? Uh, we do not see Danny this episode, which is actually, I think, a little bit refreshing because the past several episodes have been very Danny centric in her yeah, development. Definitely. 
And we've had a lot of episode endings with Danny with amazing shots. So I think (laughs) I think this was done intentionally. Um, It's a little bit of a breathing room with her story to let it settle. And we can, you know, get excited to see her again. Yeah. Take out something we're like where we've had a lot of recently and bring something new in, which is something old in this case, Sandor Clegane. Exactly. And we get a cold open. Yeah, that's always fun. Which they don't do very many. Yeah. They're good on this show. Yeah. So uh what's your number five? What do you got what do you got for first one? My number five is actually the cold open. Oh, nice. Yes. So we get a glimpse of Ray and he's he's a happy guy he's so happy and this this scene starts out with like everything being so perfect and like (laughs) i'm surprised it lasted all the way to the end of the episode you know i know because you can't be that happy for that long in this show no that's how you know it's doomed that's how you know this guy is only going to show up in one episode (laughs) must have been a fun episode as an actor he had a lot of good lines and Lots of, yeah, Dave like, was saying dynamics. he was in a couple other things too, like I think Deadwood. And maybe American Gods. Okay, yeah. So Dave was Dave, my husband, was super excited to see this actor when it first aired. Nice. Yeah. He was I like, know oh a lot of yeah. Were. And then he was super bummed that he got killed off <laughs> at the end of the episode. Right, right. <laughs> he was like, What the fuck? He was like a really good actor. They had him in for one episode. They did us dirty with that. For sure. So, um, they're they're building a church essentially, and it's I pretty lo- cool looking too. Like the, I like it. It has like a fun little steeple and mm-hmm. a nice little design. And I have to say, this episode has exceptionally good music. Oh, we get yeah. introduced to some new sounds that we've never heard before with jamie and in this scene oh god it's, it's like a slow version of the main theme kind of yes which spacey. is so cool because um it flows right into the title sequence yeah that's true oh man it, yeah and so we see them moving these logs and we get a perfect shot of the hound (laughs) and i was really excited to see the hound back yeah from behind uh yeah it's so funny you can't see like who it is but you're like oh man you can't see his face but it's this huge guy okay so we get the guys carrying the logs and each log is being carried by two or three people (laughs) and they're like oh like the the weight is crushing them (laughs) and this one guy is carrying it on his shoulder like it ain't no thing nothing (laughs) that's the best what a beast man yeah and i love the title sequence of game of thrones i don't think it gets talked about enough i get so pumped after as many times as i've watched these episodes i never skip the title sequence yeah never not ever (laughs) that's so funny i do i have you know quite a lot (laughs) i don't i love it so because i'm usually rushing to take notes that's (laughs) probably but scrambling I just it gets me in the Game of Thrones zone. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like it's like it pumps me up. If I'm just going to sit down to watch it, I will never skip it, you know. So, sure. my husband and I, we do powerlifting. Um, he's been he's way farther 
down the road than I am. Um, I'm just getting back into it again. And when we're at the gym, we throw on Game of Thrones soundtrack and it's <laughs> pretty badass well, to yeah. like do heavy lifting too. Totally. Yeah. Nothing like trying to pump out a deadlift and having Game of Thrones on in the background. <laughs> <laughs> it's badass. <laughs> I'm thinking about doing like a um, electric guitar version of the theme. Yeah, do it. I got it all planned out kind of in my head. Do it. That'd be so cool. <laughs> so we actually do get to see that it's Sandor Clegane and he's just working that axe. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Ray comes up and he's like, dude, I've never seen a guy as strong as you. Like <laughs> you wield that axe like nobody's business. Right as he says that to Sandor cracks down with the axe and this one particular blow sends like a, a shooting spray shards. of sawdust. <laughs> or yeah, like like wood chips flying everywhere. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, I think it's very cathartic for the hound to chop wood. Because he does a lot of it in this episode. I think he's been chopping a lot of wood lately. He can, yeah, he's like, he can imagine it's the mountain. He's not actually hurting anybody, but he's accomplishing something. And it's, yeah, yeah he's releasing all his energy. It's therapeutic. And he's super strong, so he's good at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's a beast at it. So he goes, so Ray goes, how many men did it take to cut you down? <laughs> Sandor's like, oh, it was just one. I, I thought this was kind of funny. It must have been some kind of monster. Do you think that might have been a hint to a Clegane bull in the future? Oh, man, maybe. That's pretty good. Pretty good thought. I hadn't considered that before. Yeah, I, um, I've, I've thought of this a few times as I've rewatched the series that I thought this might be a hint because it's very possible that we're going to get a Clegane bull, perhaps. And I think it may foreshadow how the hound goes. I think the mountain's going to kill the hound if it happens. Really? If it, if it happens, oh, yes. Oh, man. If there's a Clegane bull, you think the mountain's going to kill the hound? I think so. Damn. That's dark. And I think so because of this, of this line here. Because, you know, he thought, okay, well, he got cut down. He was going to die. And it must have been some kind of monster. It's either that or it foreshadows uh, the hound's death by one of like the White Walkers. Because mm. I think he, I'm not sure Sandor Clegane is going to. Or maybe, maybe it could foreshadow just Brienne being like a beast and being important. Oh, maybe. That's true, too. Like, damn, That's very true. Oh, my monster. God. Like, what if Brienne kills the Night King? <laughs> or what if she gets turned into a White Walker or something? Oh, fuck. <laughs> She's got the complexion and, for it. I love this. As Sandor is still um, stacking the wood, he goes, he was a woman. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> and Ray just starts busting up laughing. It's ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> It's great. He was a woman. I love how the hound admits it too. Like he doesn't try to hide the fact he's not a, like maybe he's embarrassed that he got beat by a woman, but even if he is, he's honest about it and tells the truth. I I think so. I think he's done a lot of soul searching since we've seen him last. Mm -hmm. That must have been humbling too. And because he was not into religion at all. 
He hated the idea of it. He mocked it. He made fun of it. And now here he is rolling with a septin. Ah, this is true. Yeah, so it cuts over to the camp and everyone seems very jolly. And nothing is jolly in Game of Thrones. Yeah. So you know something terrible is going to happen and to these people. Ray has just been like overly jolly the whole time. Like when, even when Brienne or when, when Xandar says he was a woman, you know, he, it Ray's like, ha ha ha, like laughing about it. And he just starts cracking up. Yeah, there's one point where he's like, right when he gets introduced, he's like, ha. Ah. And like, just like smell the air, like how great it is. And you know, there's these people walk by with the logs over their shoulders and he like ducks under one of them in between the two guys and like, ho, ho, ho. He like does like a little shuffle step. (laughs) 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 It's so funny, man. It's hilarious. It definitely is. So, um, Ray comes up, Sandor is chowing down and, you know, they start talking and Ray explains to the audience how the hound was found. Right. He thought he had been dead for days. Yeah. Ugh, he bugs. was covered in bugs and he stunk. Right. And think about this. He was like, I was going to give you a proper burial. And then you coughed. I nearly shit myself. Yeah. So <laughs> I was wondering, maybe he was dead, you know, and then like maybe a miracle happened with him too or something. Cause he had, bu- you know, like it's like, Still alive, sitting there. So you think he might have been dead and then came back? Maybe. I mean, who knows? Like, look at the condition he was in. How did he survive that? I don't know. I don't know. But and like, then, like <laughs> bugs all over him. Like he thought he'd been there for dead for days. Like so, think about when Arya was left him there. He was like near death at that point. Yeah. But, like, the only resurrections that we've seen have been with the Red. Do you think someone, like, came along and well, resurrected him? Think about this. When he cleaved Beric Dondarrion in half, afterwards, when Beric was resurrected, he said he was absolved of the trial, basically. He was found not guilty by the Lord of Light, and he said that the Lord of Light still had plans for him. Oh, Remember? I And that's totally, exactly yes. what, what Ray says here. Oh my god, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, the gods aren't done with you yet, Ray says, coming up here. So I think that, you know, maybe the Lord of Light is keeping him alive. He even keeps him away from the disaster later on in the episode when everybody gets killed. It's like after John dies and is resurrected, he's sort of like invincible, like all the arrows at the the Battle of the Bastards miss him. Yeah, like a divine intervention. Yeah, and so like maybe that's happening. Oh my god, with, uh, I love Sandor this as well. You know what I mean? Yes. Because how the fuck did he survive that? Well, that's what I mean. He's just fucking stubborn and refused to die. But I mean, I I under I that's totally agree and understand what you're saying. That I mean, he was pretty close to death. Yeah. Days. Days. Like, are we talking like two days? Or are we talking like 10 days? <laughs> I don't know where the point where he's like covered with bugs. And, you know. I would think that's like t- closer to 10 days. Uh, I don't know, though, because he had like all those open wounds and stuff. The bugs could have come pretty fast. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, I, you know, I, I, I was going to bury you. And then you coughed. And that's like basically what happened with John. He like startled awake. And yeah. like he didn't oh, cough, fuck. but he like, <gasps> you know, like 
like sucked in all the air they could yeah and so he's like he you know the uh ray's like i thought you were dead you know i thought you were gonna die a dozen more times over the next few days but you didn't what kept you going and i'm thinking the lord of light you know sandor seems to have some kind of like perverse connection with the lord of light ever since his youth and the burning of his face when he was face to face with his god you could say yeah and ray even brings that up in this scene too because sandor goes why haven't they punished me and ray goes they have right they burned his face burned his face and then just like the torment that he (laughs) like constantly lives with like the regret of his you know of of things that he's done and things he's been forced to do the shame he feels as like I have it written down. Uh, was it his torment is his atonement, and his redemption will be his repentance? I love it. That's amazing. I great catch on that. I, I mean, I, I could totally see that being true. That he was resurrected. The Lord of Light seems to have a soft spot for him, you know. So, I mean, Melisandre wasn't even in the room when John was resurrected. Nobody witnessed it. So, it's like the same <gasps> thing with potentially with a hound. Maybe, you know, maybe that guy who just happened to witness it. Maybe her spell didn't do anything and John just resurrected by himself. Yeah. Holy fuck. Well, that puts a wrench in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't know. You know what I mean? That's awesome. Nice. It's just something I keep thinking about every time. Yeah, it's it's so funny. He's like, uh, he's like, what what kept you going? I'm thinking the Lord of Light, you know. And Sandor's thinks and pauses. He's like, hate. <laughs> I'm like, damn, dude, that's so oh, hardcore. Fuck. That's fucking hardcore. And just like keeps eating. And he's it must be hate for his brother and just everything. <laughs> yeah. In the books, there's a similar type. This is not this same character that has this type of interaction with the hound as he's dying, but um, there is a character who who is there and talks to the hound, and the hound confesses his like out his like overwhelming hatred for his brother, and like how all he wants to do is kill the mountain, basically. Shit. Yeah. So, uh, hate for his brother. I'm 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 guessing. Wow. And. And Ray's like, no, there's a reason you're still here. And I'm thinking, the Lord of Life again, right? And Sandor's like, I there's a reason I'm a big fucker and I'm tough to kill. I think <laughs> like, you might be and, onto something with that too, because who do they run into in this episode? Who? Oh, they run into red priests. Right, and, and Sandor kills him. Yeah, he ends up killing him. <laughs> at least, I, they, I don't know if they're priests, but they're at least like followers. Yes, of, that's of the true. Red that's God. true. But they were wearing uh, red. Yeah, Lem Lemon Cloak, Lem Lemon Cloak, and uh, yeah, a couple other other guys. Lots of interesting book stuff with those characters. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's like, I'm a big fucker and I'm tough to kill. And Ray's like, No, a reason the gods aren't done with you yet. Like a smile flicks across his face. Like he's such a, like a upbeat, positive character. And I love how he, this is like the, exactly the type of influence that Sandor needs in this part of his life or this part of his, you know, after his second birth <laughs> where he's, he's got a positive influence that's pushing him in a, in a positive direction towards redemption and, you know, saying that you can come back still and that you, you can, make up for the you can't like you know undo the things that you've done but you can prevent things that are like that from happening again sure you can there's there's room for redemption 
Yeah. And so after, after Ray says, uh, the gods aren't done with you yet, Sandor calls back to Beric Dondarrion and says, I've heard that before. Man was talking about a different god, though. Because this, this guy, he's, you know, uh, Ray here is thinking about the seven at first. The gods, you know, have, aren't done with you yet. But obviously, Beric, at the time of the trial by combat with, um, when they fought in the cave, was talking about the Lord of Light. You know, the Lord of Light's not done with you yet. Oh, yeah. So. Yep. So it's a different god. Yeah. So I'm just like, wow, this is nuts. The Lord of Light, like, certainly has him marked for something. I think so. Yeah, he's like some type of chosen champion, for sure. I think he's going to have a huge role to play in season eight. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I hope so. He needs some some type of pod, like strong redemption arc <laughs> for sure. Yeah, um, I love when Ray talks about the gods right after Sandor says that. Yeah, epic monologue, right? I, I, it was so great. He goes, I don't even know the gods' real names. It could be the Seven, or maybe it's the Old Gods, or the Lord of Light, or maybe they're all the same fucking thing. And I loved, I loved that sentiment. Yeah. That, it's like, I've always kind of felt that way. And I actually just saw a commercial the other day. For Morgan Freeman is doing... Morgan Freeman. A new show. I think it's on Netflix and it's called the story of God. And he goes around the world and talks to different cultures about their experiences with God. And what he says in the commercial is, you know, maybe it's, we are all different, but maybe we're all the same. And I thought that that was a very interesting (laughs) thing because, you know, every there's, there's like two main things that run kind of through every culture, even down to like the most primitive and indigenous cultures and it's religion and music. Mm, And it's in, it's found in every culture on the planet is religion and music. And so it's kind of like, I love that idea of we all celebrate, if you believe in God, of course, or, you know, whatever God you celebrate, but Mm. we could all be kind of worshiping the same like higher power, just worshiping in a different way. And that's like the whole concept behind the, uh, the many faced God at the house yeah. of black and white. That's that, that's how they interpret religion is that everybody is just worshiping the God of death basically in their own way. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I really appreciated that sentiment because it's not one that you hear very often. I mean, I personally grew up Catholic. Um, you know, my, the rest of my family's kind of Christian oriented background and, that's not a very common thought in Christianity mm. is God is God and the other religions, they celebrate different gods. But it's like, I've always wondered, like, what if it's the same and we just celebrate it differently? Right. So I appreciated that line from Ray very, very much so. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, and he tops it all off by saying whatever it is, you know, whether it's the Lord of Light or the Seven or whether they're all the same fucking thing, um, whatever it is, it's got plans for Sandor mm, Clegane. Yes. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I was like, yeah, really, what, what it is is George R. R. Martin. He, he's, he's got the plans. the first that they're talking he's about. He's the Lord <laughs> of Light. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, yeah. Nice. 
And uh, yeah, that was a pretty, just kind of a cool moment. The hound stops eating and like looks up at Ray and they kind of have make eye contact for a second there. And uh, I was wondering at that point, did, did Sandor already know that Ray knows his real name or was Sandor kind of surprised that he called him by his name, Sandor Clegane at this moment? I think he probably knew his name because um, Sandor goes, you don't even you didn't even know me back in my time. You don't know the things I've done. And Ray goes, I've heard stories. Right. So, I mean, clearly he's heard the tales of the hound. And even, even though he's heard those horrible tales, potentially of things he did while he was working for Joffrey, um, he still thinks that he's redeemable, you know, that he has purpose, which is kind of like affirming for, for him to hear that even somebody who's heard, you know, probably negative stuff still thinks that he's, he's got worth and value. And that's when he says, uh, well, if the gods are real, why haven't they punished me? And he doesn't realize that the things that he's been going through are the punishment crucible and his punishment. Yeah. Uh, Ray's like they have, (laughs) uh, and then Sandor they're in such a really pretty spot those rolling green hills with the trees and it's just really it's yeah. a really pretty um area that they're in i'm curious where that was filmed yeah i wonder so yeah oh man yeah so good to have the hound back definitely <sighs> i mean that was that was my number five so do you All have right. anything else you want to add or go on to yours so that's my number one as well we'll we'll wait and f- cover the rest of that later when we get to number ones cool yeah that way we'll have some more hound talk later in the episode yeah okay sounds good so what is your number five my number five is marjorie is still in there not that it matters (laughs) yes okay this is my number three all right so we start out with marjorie in the sept and she is down in that little room and she's all dressed up nicely with her with her uh crown on and everything like that and she is ready to manipulate the high sparrow or at least try to with a relevant verse you know about (laughs) being a wife soothing her husband's wounds and everything like that oh yeah and rocking her son to sleep yeah and the high sparrow makes a jab at her by saying that there are some who know every verse of the sacred text but don't have a drop of the mother's mercy in their blood (laughs) basically saying like yeah i know it's an act and you know the words but you're faking your allegiance (laughs) i think you think so i think so i i don't think he's buying it i think septa unella is buying it (laughs) really i don't think she i don't i don't know i don't think she's watching her closely silently that's true that's true that's true i don't know I know, right? It's it's such a game. Like it's that. hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's like, I feel like I want to say no, but then I rewatch the episode in my mind and, or the scene in my mind. And I'm like, it could go either way. <laughs> yeah. Those going either way moments. There's another one here. Remember when we were talking about how Marjorie was confessing to making sure she was seen when she was with the poor and stuff like that. Yeah. And I thought that there was like an element of her actually caring for the poor and wanting to help. And then you were talking about how there's also the element of that. She actually was trying to be seen also to like, um, improve her image and things like that mm-hmm. and for popularity purposes. So here she makes another similar confession and she's like, for years I, p-, and she kind of like, like 
it like catches in her throat when she says pretended to love the poor the afflicted i had pity for them but i never loved them they disgusted me and i wasn't sure like the hesitation when she says that she pretended to love them i think she's exaggerating the truth again like she was either she's she's lying about this and it catches in her throat because it's not entirely true or it's really hard for her to admit and it is the truth <laughs> and it's one of those things where like oh, i could go either way you know how do you interpret that yeah i i think she gen i think she genuinely reflected on that in her time in the cells yeah and so i think there's a genuine aspect to it right. but i think she's playing it up right because it's like again she's saying what she needs what she thinks that the high sparrow wants to hear exactly but so, i also do think that when you spend days and weeks alone with yourself you have to come face to face with things that you don't want to think about yourself right you know what i mean so yeah, i totally. think as stubborn as she was and didn't want them to win it's human nature to do that to reflect when you're finally by yourself and let your like meditation almost yeah definitely forced meditation i'm just wondering what percentage of it is actually real self-actualization and what percentage of it is a show based on what she imagines the high sparrow wants to hear i think basically. it's like 60 40 like 40 percent <laughs> she feels bad right right right, but right. 60 yeah, percent she's putting on the show <laughs> yeah that's funny i can i can get behind that <laughs> cool so, uh, so he's like he says the poor disgust us because they are us shorn of our illusions they show us what we'd look like without our fine clothes how we'd smell without perfume and i was like damn this is it's getting deep in this bitch this Fuck. may be like the truest thing he's ever said <laughs> you right. know, that we're we don't we're our judgments of people aren't necessarily based on them but based on how we would feel about ourselves if we like you know we're in their positions or something like that definitely and uh he brings up the fact that apparently Tommen is is whining to him that Marjorie's not getting down with him. <laughs> yeah, that's so awkward. <laughs> yeah, and why is why is this High Sparrow so intent on making sure Marjorie gets pregnant? What's the deal with that? Maybe to solidify their place as king and queen a little bit deeper cuz I think they're both very young and with an heir on the way, it will kind of help solidify that and he knows that he has Tommen under his thumb. Right. So maybe he wants to solidify the dynasty to make sure that his influence extends in far Remains. into the future. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's probably pretty accurate. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. 
Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. So she admits, no, we haven't, we haven't, uh, I haven't joined him in the marriage bed, basically. And he's like, you have a duty, your grace, to your husband, your king, your country, to the gods themselves. Like he's really playing this up. You know? <laughs> and she, yeah. she has a great double meaning line right here. She's like, it's just the desires that once drove me no longer do. And She's implying that it's lust, which is, I think, something that she thinks the High Sparrow would want to hear because it, it sounds like a very calculated line when she says it. She like thinks about it. Mm-hmm. So she's like implying that it's lust that she's no longer feeling, which this High Sparrow, you know, they probably, they he talked about his debauchery that night, that drunken night. And obviously lust is something that they, fr- they frown upon. Um, but I think she really means... Like, she just fucking hates Tommen at this point, basically. <laughs> That's the way she's yeah. really feeling. Yeah, so um, I love when she says this, though. She goes, forgive me, sometimes the truth path is hard to find. And so she's, again, being very submissive here. Yeah, totally. It's it's really funny. Like, she's just saying, I think she's just saying exactly what she thinks they'd want to hear, basically, trying to play the oh, part as best she totally. possibly can. And she's like really playing hard at this point. Like she's playing for games, you know, she's fully committed. For sure. It's pretty intense. Um, And I like his response to hard to find and harder still to walk upon. (laughs) It's even, it's even harder once you find it to actually do it. it. Yeah. Pretty intense. And he, at this point he brings up, he basically threatens Marjorie's grandmother. He's like, you've made great progress. I only pray your grandmother follows your lead. And Marjorie's like, what? What, what, what? Like, what, what, what? My grandmother? What? <laughs> and uh, the High Sparrow, remember, remember, because Olena went and visited him, right? So yes. he, he knows a little bit about her. He exchanged her. words with her. Yeah, and he does not like her. She's, he's, she's a remarkable woman, a strong woman, but an unrepentant sinner. Which is hilarious. Damn. You must teach her the new way as she taught you the old, or I fear for her safety, body and soul. Oh my God. Damn. So intense. Like he's straight up threatening her health (laughs) here, you know? Yeah. I'm like, holy shit. And I'm like, what does he want to imprison her next? This elderly woman, like drag her in there and throw her into a cell. I think he wants to imprison as many highborn houses as he can. Yeah, totally. It's so intense. So Marjorie is terrified for Olena at this point. And I know her eyes get super wide, but she plays it pretty cool. Yeah, plays it pretty cool. And so it cuts to Olena's chamber at the Red Keep. And it's her and Marjorie hanging out. And Unella is hovering real close. She's she's creeping. And Olena (laughs) is like, what what the fuck is she doing here? Does it move or talk? (laughs) (laughs) It. Hilarious. Yeah. And uh, Marjorie is like heavy in the game here. Like seems like like uh, Stepford Wives type of like robotic brainwashed type thing. She's (laughs) so good. Yeah. Septa Unella has been my true friend and counselor. And I'm like, Jesus. And Elena is like, what the fucking fuck? What, what, what? Brainwash. (laughs) Like, what what is going on here? (laughs) She's like, this is madness. Just like Mace said last episode, remember? (laughs) Madness has had its day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's having another day now, apparently. 
and uh, <laughs> it is all madness really totally. this whole high sparrow shit that's basically a great way to sum it up yeah so, so they walk into another room and unella follows closely and olena is olena unella olena is so fucking mad she's like you're not in your sanctuary now septa all i have to do is whistle and my men will stroll in here and bash you about <laughs> and i love the way that she like gets louder when she says bash like really yes. accentuates bash and it's really funny marjorie's like trying to calm her down and she's like until i tell them to stop you know if i tell them to stop you could use a good bashing <laughs> marjorie's like grandmother yeah. whoa grandmother please and they sit down <laughs> and olena's like what the hell like what have they what have they done to you like you're acting like weird you know you and, are uh, acting like a robot marjorie's like explaining their motivation you know the motivation of the sparrows she's like you marched against the high sparrow against the faith and olena's trying to reason with her like we you know we did all that for you yeah and uh she's basically saying you're lucky that they didn't try to that they didn't capture you after this and take you into custody she says the gods could have punished you and father but they didn't they showed mercy like aria mercy um mm -hmm. and so she's basically saying you're lucky they didn't come for you <laughs> i.e hint hint they're coming for you yeah, now like you're in danger exactly and so she's she's saying talking nonsense about loris like his only hope basically <laughs> is to confess and repent renounce his name and his title and olena's like what 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 like what? <laughs> have you lost your mind she says like this is outrageous he's our yeah like, he's the the he's the future of future house of our, tyrell yeah of our house and she's she suggests living his life as a penitent and it's like no fucking Elena way. Elena is not having any of this. Yeah, it's insane. He can begin again. Elena says, as a mindless fanatic, as a free man, she says, this is all terrifying to Elena. It's like, yes. what have they done with Marjorie? And Olena brings up a great point. She's like, you need to leave immediately. There's nothing saying you have to stay here. And Marjorie makes the decision here. This is like the moment of truth for marjorie she decides to stay she says i'm the queen it's my duty to serve my husband the king Ugh. and she's like i wanted her to leave so bad yeah i mean this is this is cements her fate basically here she's she's staying willingly probably to try to save loris um and she she kneels in front of of olena and this is a big moment you like you when you kneel it's like a symbol of pledging fealty right and she hands her the note with, with the rose signifying mm. like I'm pledging my fealty to the rose. Like I'm still on house. And she in, looks uh, at house her Tyrell. like when she says you need to go yeah. she, home, like, like stop right. with this. And Elena was smart enough to figure out like that look on her face was like, dude, like you got like, stop. You gotta go. Like, get out of here. Yeah, she's like, you need to leave. And her eyes get really wide because Olena's yeah. like, I will never leave you. Never. Like, that's insane. What are you talking about? Why would I abandon you? I'm your grandmother. You know, it's my sole duty to protect you. 
and Marjorie is like, you must. And like her eyes go super wide and Olena's like, Oh, like something is going on. I got it. Yeah. Yeah, Her, her whole demeanor changes. She's like, I'm, we're on the same page now, girlfriend. I got you. Like, okay. Yeah. Her eyes are hidden from Unella. She knows that she can at least do something with her eyes at this moment. And she hands her the note at that moment when she says, you must. And she's squeezing her grandma's hands too. You need to get out of here. She's squeezing them. Like, she's holding on to her hands because that's how she passes the note and you see her squeeze them yeah and this is the moment where marjorie is stepping up and taking over for her family in king's landing and olena is essentially stepping aside and and backing off to let marjorie run her to work her game at this at this Mm -hmm. time so if if marjorie had won this would be like essentially her sansa moment where she stands up and takes everything into her own hands like she she goes into the, willingly into the snake's den here like sansa steps up when she goes into winterfell basically to the boltons yeah and definitely she is trying to play the game real hard and uh finagle a win for the rose by getting loris out of there somehow she managed nice. to get herself out safely at this point like that's just in itself is a huge accomplishment definitely it cost the 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 realm tommen and will the ramifications will be monstrous <laughs> but at least like she preserved herself for house tyrell at this point yeah and i love um you know so elena gets it so she stands up and you know she goes i'll see you soon my dear i'll see you soon and they they hug and you can see the look of pain on marjorie's face like she wants to cry yeah huge moment to you, grandmother. and sad strings are playing and this is yeah. is this the last time they ever see each other, right? It it is. I think so. Like Yes. Olena's leaving to go to High Garden, so like this is a big moment. Like Marjorie looks it. super pained and the sad strings are playing. Mm. And she's trying to like hold like keep her composure together. And uh Olena walks out after they hug and she takes a second to like <laughs> take a breath and compose herself and then turns to Unella and she's like shall we pray right? shall we pray <laughs> so oh damn yeah Olena goes out there and like the music is all intense and she opens up that paper to see the rose drawing and that message basically is I'm still in here grandmother you know yep. I'm on the, the team rose still you have to trust me you need to leave and I'm gonna handle this yeah it's like a big, I'm, I'm, a big moment I'm not I'm not crazy I'm yeah. playing a role. Right. Like if the, if, if Marjorie had won in the end, this would have been a defining moment in her fight. And it tells us all that, that Marjorie is still in there and still fighting. And unfortunately it, it doesn't make any difference in the end because Cersei explodes the entire sept and kills everybody. <laughs> so, so in the end, this is a, like a red herring and it's completely pointless, but, but it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a great know, it's, scene though. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So much potential Ugh. blown to bits by I know. the Mad Queen. Craziness. Sucks. Yeah. Nice. Good number five. Thanks. Anything else you want to add to all that? Nope. I think that's it. <laughs> all right. What do you got for your number four? My number four is Arya getting stabbed by the waif. Oh, my God. I had to do it. Because it's... <laughs> It's so, this starts such a kind of crazy, dramatic 
next couple episodes for Arya. Yeah. Like trying to get better. And then we get the Waif 1000. Oh, yeah. T1000 Waif. Yeah. <laughs> Waif 1000. That's great. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, uh, yeah. So I love how she's walking through. I, I think she's in a marketplace and she's walking with her hands behind her back. She's kind of <laughs> sauntering along. And well, no, I think it's Axel Erickson said that she uh, like reminded him of Tyrion the way that he was walking like he owned the oh, cobblestones. Oh, like a rich person? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice, cool. Um, so Arya overhears this conversation and she walks beside the table and she goes, you're Westerosi. And he's like, yeah, what, so? She's like, I want to go home. And she throws a bag of silver is it? Yeah, a bag of co- some kind of coins. Coins. And he goes, where'd you steal this from? And I love it. She goes, why do you care? Yeah, <laughs> And he so totally funny. chuckles at that. And she basically just tells him, you know, she, he's like, yeah, you can come. You can stay in steerage. And she throws another bag on. She's like, I want a cabin. And we leave tomorrow. And I loved her confidence in that moment. Yeah, it's so stupid, though, because she's like tossing around bags of money like acting all like wild like she owns the street acting like when when she just fucking bailed on the house of black and white basically and they're obviously coming for her yeah i have this in my notes too because after she has this funny little banter between the the man of the sailor yeah she's just like wandering down the street like looking at the statue like there's nothing wrong yep just out in the open and i'm kind of like we left you grabbing your sword and turning a light out like you're prepared to battle on the run you were like hiding out at the end of the yeah last and now episode. you're like walking down the street so i was curious what you thought about that yeah i thought it was um i mean obviously also the this is one of the like the most problematic scenes of the show uh, the entire show i would say uh she's just acting like so drawing so much attention to herself and the waif shows up and that stab wound like with the twist you know she stabs her like three times in the gut and the last one like, twists it so how deep does she and, even survive it yeah exactly so that it's problromatic you know, in terms of realisticness and believability i know uh, I twisting a knife in the gut yeah plus aria is so slick you know, it's hard to imagine that she'd be drawing so much attention to herself, like I was saying, um, when she knows that she or needs to be hiding out. Or just standing out in the open. I mean, like, I... Right on the bridge or in the plain view. Yeah, yeah. It was a great shot, but it it really is displaced in her storyline in, in Bravos. Yeah, it's out of character, I would say. Very much so. As fun as it was and as likable as the Arya character was while she was doing all of this stuff. Yeah, it... So, I mean, it's kind of why it's my number four, because I liked, I liked it. I liked her confidence, but I also didn't understand how it played into her being on the run at this moment. I I mean, I guess you could argue she's going to go home. She's going to go home tomorrow. She only has one more night. So maybe she's like getting a little confident that she's made it. Yeah, maybe that makes sense because she's leaving in the morning, you know. Yeah, she only has one more night to get through and she's made it this far. So she's going to take a moment to stop on the bridge and look at the statue and reflect on her journey here because she's going home in the morning. I I guess that's the only thing I can think of is why she would be standing there in the open, just reflecting. Yeah, that makes sense. On her, her journey. 
all of the tossing of bags of money though is like you know it's just like look over here and clink 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 all you know like just like i'm over here yeah uh, it is strange it was it's really very strange, strange. But it was cool though like she tosses that second bag down and the guy's like ooh, and then she walks around him and we, when he looks to where she was she grabs it back and she's like we leave tomorrow in the morning and instead of two <laughs> days so nice. from now like yeah she's changing the time frame accelerating yeah. it to get out and of there she wants a cabin right yeah so I thought that was great. And so she's standing on the bridge now looking at the Titan and this old little woman starts shuffling along and I knew instantly who it was. The wave. I was like, fuck. What a cool looking old woman they got for that scene though. Sweet girl. And I was like, oh <laughs> fuck. And Arya turns around and fucking just stab, 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 twist. Oh, slashes her too. Like, oh my God. God. Yeah, the twisting of the blade. Oh, man. And then she pulls her face off, and it's the waif. The yep. plain Jane crazy fucking waif. The plain oh, Jane. I hate her. <laughs> I hate her. <laughs> it's funny, too, how they, like, they lulled us into feeling, like, relaxed and, like, mm-hmm. weird. Like, there's, like, music playing that's, like, kind of upbeat with, like, a sense of wonder to it. And Well, and we think Arya's going home. Exactly. I mean, she made it to Bravos. She's going to go back, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Happiness and excitement as she's uh, planning to leave and her storyline is accelerating and exciting things are happening and she's on her way home. And now she's going back. Yeah. Yeah, And the music is all happy. Like maybe she'll go to Winterfell and see Sansa. And then ring, ring, ring. (laughs) Stab her. Yes. That's awesome. (laughs) Total psycho moment. Yeah. So funny. So she kicks her away and rolls off the bridge and lands in the water. And oh, God. It just plumes up with blood. And I was so frightened when I first watched this. I thought Arya was done for. Right. Because how could you survive that? And I was shocked when she came back. I was blown away. So the wave kind of looks over and she straightens out her shirt and walks off like, yes, I made her suffer because getting punt, getting stabbed in the gut is a slow way to die. And it's extremely painful. Jockin said, do not let her suffer. So she totally disobeyed Jockin Hagar. Very suffery wound. (laughs) And I was thinking maybe that's why he wasn't upset when Arya killed her. Oh, maybe. Because he, she disobeyed an order she too. She defied his, like mm-hmm. the uh, the premise, which is that death is like you know it's not, not supposed to be torturing people. Suffer. You're just supposed to be killing people. Yep, yep. So I thought I thought maybe that was why it was kind of like an you know this is your free pass to get out of here. Yeah, maybe the the waif did not give her the gift. She toyed toyed with her with the gift. Like maybe I'll give you the gift. Maybe I won't. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll put yeah. the gift right under your fingertips and we'll see what happens. <laughs> so Arya comes up gasping for air and she looks in really bad shape. Yeah. What a cool spot she's in too. Yeah. I wonder where that's, this was filmed. Maybe like. Maybe Venice or something. I, mean, I don't know. The stone stair. So cool. Staircase with the um, down into the Coming water. Into the water. Oh, it's amazing looking. So. I'm sorry, but she's walking through like what looks like a farmer's market. She's soaking wet and she's bleeding and not one person offers to help her. Yeah, it's that phenomenon where like dozens of people can watch something horrible happening to someone and nobody does anything. They're all just like watching. I know. And I was so it frustrates me so much 
and she's looking, she, her eyes are darting because any of those people could be a, a faceless, faceless man. man. Yeah. It's like Battlestar Galactica where you never know who's a Cylon. Yeah. It's awesome. So she's freaking out and everyone just stares back at her really blankly. And I thought it was super creepy and weird. Yeah. And it's like a little girl's running around with like a big gut wound. Yeah. <laughs> and like nobody does anything. She's like literally leaving like a blood trail. Yeah. Freaking waif man she totally like you know did it on purpose like you were saying yeah so yeah that was my number four <laughs> nice and yeah she like kind of instinctively goes to lady crane right yes she does because well that's kind of the only other person she knows yeah that she's spent time with that she has a rapport with yes <laughs> totally so that was your number four that's my number four. What's oh, your right. number four? My number four is an animal alone, cornered and wounded. Okay. And that would be Cersei. And basically... Oh, and Elena? Yeah, basically okay. the uh, Cersei after this episode is is basically the animal alone, cornered and wounded. Because <laughs> what, what will an animal do that's alone and cornered and wounded? Lash out. Exactly. Uh, nice. Yeah, so Cersei goes to see Olena. And Olena's at the table writing this time as opposed to Tywin or her or, or, or Cersei. And Cersei's like, I heard you're leaving King's Landing. She's all excited about this. <laughs> yeah, Elena's taking orders from Marjorie now, you know, because she, she understands that there must be some kind of grave threat. She's actually doing it. She's getting right out of there. And uh, she's like, what the hell are you even doing here, right? Mm-hmm. And Cersei's like, you're just going to abandon Loras? Really? You're just going to leave? And she's like, Loras is captured because of you. The High Sparrow is in charge because of you. Our houses are both fucked because of you and your stupidity. And I'm like, yes. but doom, but a motherfucking doom. Bam. Right. Uh, and, and wow, Cersei admits it. I know. What's up with that? She's like, you're right. I made a terrible mistake. And I'm just like, oh my God, it's bad. If Cersei is like to this point where she's admitting. It's <laughs> so bad. Is, <laughs> it's like that is a desperate Cersei. All she wants to do is avoid taking responsibility for anything, basically. She's like, I made a terrible mistake and I carry it with me every day. And Olena's like, good. Fuck you. You should. You're the worst. God damn. You fucking, you set us up for destruction. You created an army of lunatic fanatics and. And you armed them. (laughs) Yeah. And Cersei's like, yeah, I did that. And now we need to fight them together. We need each other. And <laughs> Olena's like, <laughs> like maybe right. a couple months ago, like I would have been down for that. She's like, I'm out of here. Like you, you could pick up the pieces. Yeah. Olena was never like geared up for war from the, from the first place. Like she would have been no. happy to work with house Lannister more on a French friendly base. Right. There's no reason for this conflict at all. It's all because of Cersei and her fucking prophecy. Her jealousy, yes. Yeah, and her, and her jealousy, right? So this is all unnecessary. Like, Olena, as thorny as she was, 
had essentially had an olive branch extended right from the start, you know, and Cersei's been pushing it away and pushing it away. And now, after all this... And now she needs them. Yeah, Cersei's reaching out. She's trying to grab onto the olive branch, but Elena has retracted it at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, and Cersei is left all alone. Too bad, so sad. Yeah, exactly. And Elena's like, (laughs) another great monologue, number of great monologues in this episode. She's like, (laughs) I wonder if, if you're the worst person I've ever met, you know, I loved this. Yeah. It's so funny when she's basically saying that when you get older, it's hard to remember all the terror, like the, the terrible people you've met throughout the days, but the, the really, really raunchy ones, vile, the the truly vile rancid, rancid, uh, ratchet ones will, (laughs) will stand out (laughs) throughout the years, you know? And, uh, she's like, you remember that look you gave me when we were in the sept down there in the basement, and they took away Marjorie and Loris and and put them into cells. You remember that? How you smirked at me? I'll never forget that, you bitch. Oh, like, I loved it. Like, we're fucking done, you know? Like, no way I'm working with you ever. And I'm like, Olena is on fire here. She is roasting Cersei on an epic level. I love her so much. Yeah. So epic. And Cersei's just trying to, like weasel her way in any way possible she's like the one you know my one redeeming trait is my love for my children maybe i can try to manipulate her with that she's like well you you love your granddaughter right i love my son like it's it's the only truth i know we we must defend them she's trying desperately to get i'm leaving this this wretched city as fast as i can (laughs) before that shoeless zealot throws me into one of those cells right and if you've got half a brain You'd peace out too, woman. Yeah. <laughs> and if you have the intellectual bandwidth of, of a gnat, you would get out of here as quickly <laughs> as you can as well. <laughs> and Cersei's like, never. I'll never do that. Like, ever. Uh, and this is this is Elena's next gangster moment of yeah. the series. Yeah, totally. This She continues her, accelerates her (laughs) like amplifies the intensity of her already epic roasting of Cersei. And she's like, what the hell are you going to do? Yeah. Your brother's gone. Your family's abandoned you. The people fucking hate you. You're surrounded by enemies. Thousands of them. Are you going to kill them all by yourself? You've lost. And I think this gets Cersei rolling on blowing up the Sept of Baylor. Yeah, I mean, she's like, what, are you going to kill them all by yourself? And everybody who's seen the, the finale is like, yep. <laughs> she's like, hmm, yeah, I'm going to kill them all one at a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All at one time, not one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all at one time. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's so funny. It, it made me think of Milton from Office Space, you know, who everybody's shitting on him and won't, like, work with him or help him. And he's like, set, set the building on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you have my stapler, (laughs) which is basically exactly what Cersei does. Everybody turns their backs on her and she... She hits everybody with a stapler. Yeah, she sets the whole (laughs) building on fire. Burns that (laughs) motherfucker to the ground. Nice. It also reminded me of Chappelle's show when they're like shooting dice and Leonard Washington is out there and Charlie Murphy rolls up with a gang to rob the dice game in the alley and steal all the cash. And Leonard Washington's like, you want this roll? Then you're going to have to shoot me. Mm. And, and Charlie Murphy's just like, okay, pop and blast him right in the leg and takes the money. 
And I felt like that's kind of similar thing here. Uh, Olen is like, <laughs> what are you going to kill them all by yourself? And she's like, yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and boom, blows up the whole sept. Boom. Classic. Nice. So Elena continues on her roast with another final epic line here where she previously she's she had pointed out like who are you even to ally with at this point you've been you've lost all of your power you've been humiliated and degraded publicly and like shamed who are you even and she's just summing it all up here basically saying you've lost Cersei and that's the only joy I can find in all this misery it's like that's the silver lining is that you are tasting the shit end of the stick yes, <laughs> for once. you've lost and i yeah, love it <laughs> even in all of my horror like the horrors that i'm experiencing and the that my family is going through that can still make me laugh a little bit you know yeah it's so funny and uh considering the, the only her only joy out of all this is watching cersei suffer to some extent naturally when all is lost for house Tyrell, she confesses her final, like her greatest sin, the, the slaying of Joffrey to just rub salt mm. even further into the wound yeah. to make Cersei suffer a little bit more to realize it wasn't the imp. I've been wrong this whole time. And it was Ugh, the Tyrells right so under poetic. my nose. And yeah, and just argh, that final jab. <laughs> as that she's, final middle finger right in your face. <laughs> yeah, exactly so great so she just has to rub it in at the end even further yeah so that was that's my number four is uh marjorie is still in there but nice you know it doesn't really matter in the end because cersei's gonna kill them all herself and she does yeah cool so what's your number three my number three was marjorie and elena's conversation Oh, all right. Nice. Yes. So what's your number three? My number three is slapped with a golden hand. Okay. Awesome. Nice. Oh, this is such a great moment. Yeah. It's got to be one of the most like all time classic moments in TV or cinema history. Right. With Jamie slapping that, that fray. Oh yeah. For sure. Bitch slap. Yeah. Imp slap. So um, the Lannister troops are arriving at River Run and we get a view of the castle and River Run is gorgeous. Wow. It's so cool. Yeah. Right in the middle of the river and the river kind of flows right around it. It reminds me of like a traditional castle. Yeah, definitely. It's so cool. Really cool castle with a nice drawbridge. It's right in the middle of a river too, which is like a natural moat with flowing water. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful. Yeah. So they basically pull up and... um, And something weird is going on. (laughs) Yeah. From a distance there, they're watching and uh, Bronn is observing that, woof, this siege is very poorly organized. Like what the hell is going on here? And are, do you know what you know what siege warfare is? Yeah, it's like where you set up trebuchets and you like try to knock the walls down by throwing big boulders and shit into it. Yeah, it's like yeah, basically if somebody's barricaded in, um, it's trying to it's it's like a, a a prolonged process of starving them out and weakening their defenses. Basically, <laughs> Bronze like oh that's a, a you know that siege is terribly organized. Somebody needs to teach those sad twats how to dig trenches. <laughs> And in my mind, I'm like, sounds like somebody just volunteered. And Jamie's like, someone certainly does. And looks over at 
at Bron. <laughs> and Bron's like, fuck. <laughs> and I'm like, you're in my world now, Grandma. I look like someone just pulled landscaping duty. What? Remember that Happy Gilmore? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. It's been years <laughs> since I've seen Happy Gilmore. <laughs> okay, listen up, everybody. Turn up your volumes. Announcement. I got good news. We're extending arts and crafts time by four hours today. My fingers hurt. What's that? My fingers hurt. Oh, well, oh. now your back's gonna hurt because you just pull landscaping duty. Hmm. Anybody else's fingers hurt? I didn't think so. And that's like basically Braun in this scene. He's like, that's so funny. <laughs> he just totally pulled landscaping duty. He's got to teach these guys how to dig trenches and do the landscaping for the siege. You could trouble me for a warm glass of shut the hell up. You're in my world now, Grandma. That's right, Grandma. God, Grams. So, <laughs> so uh, Bron's all mad about it. You know, he's like, come on, dude. What the fuck? Like, and Jamie's like, listen, you have better instincts than any officer in the Lannister army. And Bron, oh, you can always count on Bron for a good, you know, a good funny line, right? Oh, yeah, I love this. Yeah, it's like, that's like saying I have a bigger cock than anyone in the Unsullied army. Come on, man. Like, Lannister army is full of twats. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Jamie divulges. He's like, I expect you to command all the Lannister forces before long. You can be the right hand I lost. And I was like, damn, that's he's like, he thinks he's bestowing that. an honor on Bronn by doing this, you know? Yeah. And Bronn's like, fuck, man. Like, all I want is my castle and my, my, and my hot soft wife. wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, well, somebody get this man a castle. <laughs> Seriously, if Bron doesn't get his castle, I'm going to be so pissed. Yeah, totally. And and uh, Jamie's like, listen, you're going to get, you know, all three. You're going to be the commander. You're going to get your castle and your wife. A Lannister always. Don't say it. Don't <laughs> fucking say it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I just feel so bad for Bron. He's so pissed off there, too. It's hilarious. I love how he cuts him off. Classic moment. Bron is like, don't yeah. fucking say it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta feel bad for Bron too, because he just keeps getting led on further and further down this whole old rabbit hole <laughs> and giving more and more responsibility when all he wants is his, you know, less and less responsibility, basically. His lady. Fewer commitments. Yeah, he just wants more stone and 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 boobs, basically. <clears throat> Can somebody give this man a castle? <laughs> and a hot woman. <laughs> so um cuts to the next scene again and it's Edmure, who we saw briefly at the end of last episode, if you remember. When I first watched this show, I was like, who is this guy? I totally yeah. forgot about this character. So I'm like, you, what, you don't remember this one character we saw one or two times from like five years ago? I know. I'm so <laughs> terrible. <laughs> so many faces and so many names. And it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. And then they bring somebody back all of a sudden after so long without seeing them. I'm sure that a lot of people were really confused. I, yeah, I was like, I don't remember who this is. It's the floppy fish. None of that. I didn't even really remember who the black fish was. <laughs> uh, you get the black fish and the floppy fish together in one episode. Yeah. Wow. Fishtastic. <laughs> so these Freys are trying to threaten the Blackfish and trying to get him to give up the castle. And they're holding Edmure hostage up there at the gallows with a rope around his neck. 
I'm telling the come Blackfish out. to come out and fight. <laughs> yeah. Yields the castle or we'll hang him. And the Blackfish is like, meh, whatever, basically. And so they try to make it a little more personal. He pulls the, the noose off his neck and pulls out a blade, puts it up to Edmure's neck. And he's like, I sliced your niece's throat from ear to ear. And where were you? Running and hiding like a fucking coward. Yield the castle or I cut his throat. <laughs> and uh, the blackfish is just like, like does not give a shit. Go on. <laughs> Go cut on, his man. throat. <laughs> and it's funny, the, the volume at which the actor says that, it's like so low. They could never hear him down below. I know. It's pretty funny. But it's hardcore. He just He's, walks off. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, what is your level of commitment to your cause? If if somebody threatens your family, are you going to toe the party line? Or are you going to hold your convictions close? I just think he totally knew that they weren't going to kill Lord Edmure, even though they were threatening to, because first, first and foremost, he's hanging with an, or he's standing with a noose around his neck and they're threatening, threatening, threatening. And then they take it off and then they put a knife to his throat so yeah, make up your mind. the blackfish is like, you're not doing anything. Like, go ahead, cut his throat. Like, I'm not buying this bluff, essentially. But then again, these are the people that lured in your whole family and slaughtered everybody. I think they need Lord Edmure for leverage, though. Right. Or yeah. what they think is leverage. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. So he falls short on the threat. Long story short, basically. And he's like, ah, I can't do it, me. And Edmure lives <laughs> to fight another day. And the look on the look of relief on his face is so funny. He yeah. like gulps. He's like, oh, survived again. Yes, he does. And so the blackfish walks away, and Jamie rides up, and because he and Bron are kind of watching from a distance as this whole spectacle of idiocy is playing out, <laughs> and yeah. they they ride up. And um, Lothar is all surprised. Lothar, one of the phrase, there's Lothar and there's... Um, Blackwalder. Blackwalder, I think. Yeah, is it Blackwalder? Yeah. And Lothar is caught off guard by Sir Jamie arriving. He's like, Sir Jamie, we didn't know what you What are you coming. doing here? Yeah. <laughs> so dumb. So dumb, so dumb, so And Jamie's like, yeah, you didn't realize that we were coming because you didn't set up a proper perimeter, you idiot. You just allowed 8,000 people to approach you unchallenged and walk right up to your command base. And I'm like, That's damn. Insane. Yeah, like, holy shit. That is Talk a major Talk about a verbal fail. slap in the face. Yeah. And Bron to rub it in. Good thing we're friends. We'd be fucking you in the ass right now. <laughs> Always with the great one-liners. Yeah, another good one right there. And Jamie immediately takes over the situation and he's like, have Lord Edmure bathed and fed as he starts issuing commands. <laughs> and uh, Blackwalder is not like super stoked about this, like having somebody else show up and just relieve them of their command, essentially. And so he's like, whoa, 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 hold on here. And Lothar tries to get him to chill, basically, and he's like not having any of it. And he basically steps up to Jamie and he's like, Edmure is a prisoner of House Frey. And I'm like, oh, you're trying to contradict Jamie? That's not going to end well for you, buddy. Nope. <laughs> and nope. This, is, this is the part <laughs> where he just saw how he didn't live up to his own threat to kill Edmure, basically, and pansied out. And so Jamie remarks about it here. Only a fool makes threats he's not prepared to carry out. Now, let's say I threatened to hit you unless you shut your mouth, but you keep talking. What do you think I'd do? 
and it, it's like black walder <laughs> it's like goes right over black walder's head like he doesn't even perceive the threat he's like i don't give a rat's ass what you do and like just smack that golden hand comes flying up and just backhands him right across the face uh. and it's just such a badass moment like that's such a gangster thing to say and then do um black walder just totally set himself up for it uh it's just so funny i don't know i just just such a clever way to go about handling that situation and definitely a really clever thing to say (laughs) i just thought it was very good writing and i think um nikolai coster waldo playing jamie here knocked it out of the park he came off as being very authoritative and uh, just very dominant in this situation yes absolutely good scene so he slaps him and black walder staggers back and lothar kind of catches him hilariously and Jamie's like, I'm here by the king's command to take back this castle. Have him bathed and fed unless you'd like to take his place. <laughs> Which is uh, just pretty cool line like, or you could be next. <laughs> yeah, we're in command. Clearly we're in command here. Like step down, Black Walder. Yeah, I'm pretty sure in the books he like sends him home, literally. <laughs> like sends him back. And, <laughs> nice. Like, Go home to your mother, boy. And Lothar apologizes. Just hilarious. Apologies to Jamie. Please don't hurt me. And I'm like, oh, the smart brother is apologizing. <laughs> so Jamie's like, the siege is now under my command. Next time Blackfish looks out, he'll see an army and not this garbage, basically. What the hell have you guys been doing? <laughs> whatever this is, whatever, whatever's going on here. And Bronn takes his cue there and starts issuing commands to dig proper trenches around the perimeter and, <laughs> and everything like that. Things that they should have already done. Building yes. siege towers and trebuchets and everything. <clears throat> and um, Blackwalder is still like not getting the picture here. Those are ours. Yeah, Jamie has to, you know, smack, not smack him, but verbally smack him down into place again and basically threaten him with sending him home. And he tells Bron to get word to the Blackfish that he wants a parley. And Bron, of course, is still mad at Jamie, so he has to take a shot at him here by, <laughs> by saying a parley or a fight. And Jamie's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, fight him? He's an old man. Brown's like, yeah, but you've got one hand. My money's on the old guy. <laughs> Pretty classic Burn. moment. A series of burns. Uh, Brown's always got something excellent to say. Yes, he does. What a character, man. What a great opportunity for that actor. It's a great parallel to Dario and Jora. Bron and Jamie? Bron and Dario. Like, they're kind of one-liners about... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dario kind of pokes at, at Jora the way... Braun pokes at Jamie. That's right. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, good, good parallel. And isn't there a theory that they could be brothers? Yeah, there is uh, that theory that Braun and Dario are brothers. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. It's a fun theory. It'd be cool to see them together. I like it. I like that theory. Yeah, me too. So that ends that scene with a nice zing from Braun. (laughs) Yes, it does. And uh, my number three ends as well with that. So how about your number two? My number two is Jon Snow pleading with the wildlings. Nice. Yeah, I think this is an incredible scene, especially for Jon, because he's been talking about the wildlings fighting for him, but he hasn't actually asked them yet. 
Right. Yeah. Sans has been pushing for it. Yeah. This whole plan is in motion before like they get the bulk of who they're kind right. of relying on. Yeah. So we meet Dim Dalba, which I think he's the redhead guy. Ah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, the main guy talking. Mm-hmm. And... And what a name. Dim Dalba. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he does make a good point. He's like, these aren't white walkers. This was not the deal. Because he's being very literal with it. And Tormund just has some great lines here. And it's so true what Tormund says over and over again in this in this scene is, we would not be here if it wasn't for Jon Snow. Yeah. Like... We owe him something, you know what I mean? And totally, basically, Dindalba's like, we can't lose any more people. We're losing d- hundreds of people. We, we're basically on the brink of extinction. We don't want to go fighting some stupid foreign war. Yeah, this could make us. This could turn us into the last of the wildlings. Yeah, we could be the last. The and- last of the free folk. He says, "Oh, that's so intense." Like the the idea of losing a whole people like that. Mm. It just on extinction levels and John goes, well, it's you're going to die if we lose because you're not safe with the Boltons holding the north. Right. That's exactly what will happen. The Boltons do not want you here. The northern houses do not want you here. So if I die, if our army dies, you're fucked anyways. So we're basically in like a pickle here we have the night king up in the north you're gonna be the first to die if he comes down here when he comes down here yeah when and you have the boltons in the south and they're not gonna let you pass right they're gonna kill you it's like i need you with me if we're gonna beat them and we need to beat them if you're going to survive Mm. (laughs) it's like uh that reminds me of fat bastard i eat because i'm unhappy and I'm unhappy because, because I eat. I eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and then here comes Tormund with like the legit, you know, like talk the way like the free folk talk. They're just super to the point. You know, they don't beat they don't beat around the bush at all. Yeah, he's he says, awesome. The crows killed him because he spoke for the free folk when no other su- th- southerners would. He died for us. He died if we're for not, us. They yeah, if we're him. not willing to do the same, we're cowards. Yeah. And, and if that's what we are, we deserve to be the last of the free folk. Cue Ugh. the last of the giants. It's crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy. And they all kind of look around at each other. And here's one one. Yeah. Your, your buddy. Last of the free folk. And here stands the last of the giants all of a sudden. Snow. <laughs> yeah, it's so epic. And Sansa is new to seeing giants as well, and she's staring in awe. Yeah, her face is like, what? And I just thought it was interesting how they're talking about the last, like how if if they fight, it could make them the last of the free folk. And one one stands like I'm willing to fight, even though I am the last of my people, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, last known, at least, that we know of. And he does die tragically at the Battle of the Bastards in a couple episodes. He does. So, so I was just sad. like, damn, so good, man. And everyone starts nodding at John. And yeah. you know, I always get goosebumps here. Yeah, one one just snow and walks away and like drops the mic. Uh, that's like the solidifier. If one one backs John, that means everybody backs everybody's John. Everybody's backing <laughs> John, for sure. The wildlings, at least. <laughs> John goes determined, are you sure they're going to come? 
in Dorman's like, we're not clever like you Southerners. Yeah. When we say we'll do something, we'll do it. <laughs> and I loved it. Great line. I like the use of the word clever. It's pretty funny. Yeah, so that's my number two. It's short, but it's important because he actually finally has his army. Yeah, 2,000 people. And uh, yeah. he gets a look of satisfaction on his face there at the end when Tormund's like, we do what we say we'll do. <laughs> yes. Really epic. I just thought it was interesting, too, how upfront Tormund was about how John had been killed. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, if they say some shit like that, it calls their credibility into question, you know? But the wildlings believe him. They know. Well, they they knew because they were all kind of at Castle Black when right, he they got... got- they were resurrected yeah dolorous ed came down and said they killed him like said they had gotten word that he was dead and now all of a sudden he's here <laughs> like goddamn. yeah yeah so it's you know tangible for them yeah and you know obviously we know sansa knows now and she doesn't bat an eye at it so she's clearly at peace with the fact that her brother is resurrected yeah it's so nuts yeah it's a great scene and we get we get a giant come on yeah has one, to be in my top five totally so what's your number two my number two is uh, i'm guessing it's all, it's also your number one okay is it lady leanna mormont yeah yes i had to make her my number one she's so badass nice nice i have the hound as my number one so just okay you know, so yeah I figured um, you would, so that's why I chose this as my number one. Nice. So let's uh, collab a little bit with Lady okay. Liana. Go for it. So we, oh, talk about a pretty castle, Bear yeah. Island. Wow, right? Hello. Dude, I like you. I don't, I've never really noticed it before. Um, it just kind of breezes past me a lot of the times when they go that through the That gorgeous scenery. waterfall. Oh my God. I would live in Bear Island. Yeah, what a castle too. Well, you say you'd like Bear Island until you live there, and it's like 10 feet of snow for most of the time. Years. <laughs> Dude, Bear Island is super, super far north. It's like Yeah, it's the farthest north you can go, I think. Yeah, it's basically at the like the level of the wall, the, like the northernness of Crazy. the wall out on the west over there. Yeah, because it's out. It, it is an island. So I want to be on Bear Island when the Night King comes. Right, because they can't go across water or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. Good call. Lady Liana will end up ruling all the survivors. Oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe she's the princess who was promised. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me, right? <laughs> so the castle is uh, really cool. And we cuts to inside the hall of uh, Mormont Keep to their audience chamber, basically. And um, we get a view looking out towards the supplicants, who in this case are Jon Snow, Davos, and Lady Sansa. And Lady Sansa looks stunning. Yeah, totally. And all we see at the head of the chamber in this first view is the shoulder of a man. And so we're all expecting it to be <laughs> like like some lord of the of the castle, basically. I mean, at least the casuals would be expecting yes. people who don't already know about Lady Lady Liana from her letter that Stannis got, right? People who don't remember that. Yeah, because that, that was a very small moment in time. Yeah, exactly. Very small Most moment. viewers would have probably glossed over. Yep. So they kind of set us up here for being surprised when the camera cuts in front and we see that next to this guy is the lady of the castle who is really running stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> she looks so tiny between the two of them. Yeah, she's so cute too. And it's Lady Liana Mormont. Lovely little Lady Liana Mormont. Quadruple LM. 
So she's doing her thing in there and her demeanor and the way that she plays this character sort of reminds me of like a young princess Amidala from Star Wars. Mm -hmm. We were watching Star Wars earlier. Nice. Yeah, she kind of reminds me of Amidala. Um, so Liana welcomes him cordially and Sansa is so diplomatic. She brings up how she remembers when Lady Liana was born and how she was named for her aunt who is said to have been a great beauty, and she's sure that Liana will be a great beauty as well. And Liana just slaps <laughs> that shit down. She's like, I doubt it. My mother wasn't a great beauty or any other kind of beauty. <laughs> but she was a badass warrior. <laughs> she died fighting for your brother, Rob. You know, and it's like, it's like smacking down Ouch. what Sansa was saying, but also saying like, I'm mad at you because your family's already cost my family a lot. So... Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, like I'm kind of not really happy you're here. So Sansa fails, <laughs> and John <laughs> steps in. I served under your uncle at Castle Black. He was also a great warrior and an honorable man. I was his steward. In fact, I think we've had enough small talk. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Shut down. Why are you here? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, damn, this actress playing little Lady Liana Mormont oh. here. She is incredible. So She's exuding such an air of power and dominance over this, this chamber. What a fun role to play. Yeah. Being such a little girl and having such a strong character to play. Mm -hmm. So cool. Uh, really, really impressed by the, the power that she's able to exhibit here. Definitely. And so Jon Snow is, he's like, yeah, I, I've actually heard of you before. I, I was with Stannis when he got your letter that you wrote. Um, it said, and she, she remembers immediately like instant recall of what this letter to Stannis says. Yes. And she has no reason to like necessarily think that he would be bringing up something she wrote to Stannis. Right. So the fact that she can recall the exact verbiage of this letter instantaneously on the spot like this says to me that a, she's sharp as attack, but B she wrote this letter. Yes. So she's the one calling the shots here. It's not like she's just writing what somebody tells her and then tells forgetting her to about write. it the next, you know, the next hour, next instant. Mm -hmm. She is in charge. Yeah, she's the boss. <laughs> and boss, I'm like, babe. Damn, it's so cool. So she's like, yeah, I remember exactly what it said. Bear Island knows no king, but the king in the north, whose name is Stark. And we're like, oh, man. Damn. And John's like, well, Rob is gone, but House Stark is not, and now it needs your support more than ever. We've come to ask House Mormont's allegiance, and Lady Liana is not super stoked about this. She confers with her maester very briefly. It's funny how they're like just whispering, you know, yeah, <laughs> quietly, right then, in front of them. It's like yeah. that's awkward. It's so funny, and uh, Lady Liana, she's so cute when she like leans over to speak with him, getting counsel from the wise maester. And I think what she's asking about is Sansa's last name, because the first thing she says is that, well, as I understand it, you know, you're a Snow, so you're not technically a Stark. And Lady Sansa, she's a Bolton, right? So she's not technically a Stark either. Or are you a Lannister? Right. Or she may be a Lannister. I've heard conflicting reports like, damn, she is so sharp. Like she gets right down to the meat and, and bones of of what is going on here. She's wasting zero time. Yeah. So Sansa gets kind of defensive at this. Like she's slightly offended. She's like, I did what I had to do to survive. A little bit of attitude comes out, but I am a Stark. I will always be a Stark. 
my lady. And Liana, I was very impressed with her response here. She's also very diplomatic. She takes Sansa at her word. She has no reason to doubt Sansa's character or her integrity or honesty, right? So she's sure. like, if you say so, you know, and I thought that was a very, um, like wise beyond her years type response to that. Very much so. Um, so <laughs> she says, in any case, you know, again, showing how wise she is, you don't just want my allegiance. You want my men, my fighting men. And John's like, listen, Ramsey is running Winterfell and he's got Rick on and what you need to understand. And I'm like, Oh God, you don't tell what little, little lady Liana what to do. <laughs> you don't tell her how to think. And she's like, I, she cuts him off <laughs> right on cue. I understand that I'm responsible for Bear Island and all those who live here. So why should I sacrifice one more Mormont life for someone else's war? Boom. And oh, John damn. is speechless. Like he's, he looks over to Sansa for some backup and she's, she's speechless too. It's just Lady Liana Mormont has <laughs> solid logic that stumps the Starks. And uh, it's just a classic John knows nothing moment also because (laughs) he's talking with Lady Liana and she asks him a question. She's like, why should I give up any more Mormon He doesn't even reply. He's like, uh. Yeah. And John literally knows nothing. Just crickets (laughs) chirping. He looks to someone else for the answer. He like calls a friend, you know, (laughs) what's that? I'd like to phone a friend. Phones a friend. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, classic John knows nothing moment. And da- uh, Davos steps up here as John and Sansa are just silent. And uh, Davos, you know, has a history of being great with little girls and like and having like yes. just excellent rapport. I have this with- in my notes too that I think it, it may have reminded him of Shireen. Yeah, totally. Because there, because Shireen was very bright, very bright, like very this. sharp, very strong. Yeah, very intelligent mind curious mind totally so immediately he's like oh i like this 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 girl very mindful of shireen she has character um so it's awesome and the davos is there because he's the perfect guy for the situation he's like the the uh little lady whisperer basically you know so he steps up if it please my lady i understand how you feel and i'm like oh this is gonna be money (laughs) <laughs> and she's like uh who is i don't know you sir and he tells her his name davos my lady of house seaworth and she turns to confer with her maester again but he davos interjects that there's no point basically because his house is rather new and your maester's not going to know anything there's no history to report i'm the first and it was a neat approach because it it's like taking himself down a peg yeah so it's like, uh, it's like, it's, whereas John and Sansa are kind of like trying to puff themselves up like, oh, like I did this and We're know this person. Yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, like I'm on your level, you know, like I'm just some guy. Yeah. And I think she kind of responds to that approach a little bit and she likes it. She's like, <laughs> all right, Sir Davos of House Seaworth, how is it you understand how I feel? Because that's what he said. He's I understand how you feel. Right? Yeah, and, so and I love very, his logic here. So good. Yeah, very poignant question. Very great response. Yeah, I, he said, you never thought you'd find yourself in this position, being responsible for so many lives at such a young age. Yeah, and he relates. He's, Next he's part like, of I didn't think I would be here talking to you. I was a crabber's son. I was a smuggler, for God's sakes. Like, And now I'm sitting here addressing a fine lady of a... Of an old house. Yeah, great house. He's laying on the flattery a little too. 
Yeah, of a great house. Yeah. And it's just incredible. I love that. He goes, I'm here because this isn't someone else's war. It's our war. Uh, and she's receptive to his message. And I have written down two titans meet in the field. Like these Boom. are just such like two of such epic characters with such sound logic and reasoning. Um, and it's just great to see two honed minds clash or dance. Yeah. And as you mentioned, um, you know, Davos approaches kind of like submissively to her. Yeah. And I think it gives her a sense of curiosity of why he's backing Jon Snow. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. Why are you in the North? And yeah, like, what I mean, you, what yeah. his last name is Seaworth. So like, I would think that Davos is probably somewhere by the sea because his last name is <laughs> right, Seaworth. Right, right. And now he's like up in the North. So he Davos continues, you know, your uncle made John his steward. He chose John because he knew that John understood that the real war isn't between the Westerosi houses. It's between the living and the dead yeah, and it, the dead are coming. And that John had the courage to do what's right. That's the other important part. Oh yes. He's, uh, he's, he's on, he's like on target with where the attention needs to be, the focus on the real war and the fact that he's like a moral person who will stand up for justice and doing what's right. What's right. Yeah. No matter for the sure. cost, even if it costs him his life as it has already. <laughs> So she looks back over at John. Now she's addressing John yeah. and she's like, is this true? And John nods and he's like, your uncle fought him at the fist of the first men. I fought him at hard home and we both lost. Mm -hmm. And Ugh. just really briefly during that little monologue that Davos has, he says, Jor Mormont chose John to be his successor because he knew he had the courage to do what was right. Even if it meant giving his life. And right at that moment, the, the, the camera cuts to John to a close up of his face and shows how he's reacting to hearing yes. other people praise him like this. And I just thought it's, it's significant showing his response because we get more of this as people begin to talk more and more about him. And it just shows how humble he is and how he recognizes. It almost makes him uncomfortable in a way. Right. Yeah. It's like he recognizes the truth, but it makes him uncomfortable at the same time. It's, it's, I, I think he does a great job with these performances of reactions under these types of uh, circumstances. His body language is really yeah. incredible. And he like, oh, like kind of closes his eyes and, like, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> the other funny thing too is that they're, they're talking about all this great stuff about John Davos is like being John's hype man. But notice one thing that they do not mention about John and Jor's relationship is that Jor passed down the Mormont ancestral Valyrian steel sword to John. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. That's kind of awkward, right? Oh, yeah. Sorry, Lady Leona. Is he wearing uh, his sword? Maybe. I mean, it's got a fresh, a new hilt and stuff, so they might not be able, they wouldn't recognize it. That's uh, after true. After it was damaged in the fire and everything. Oh, that's true. He changed it to a wolf. That's right. But, uh, it, that. <laughs> like, imagine John's like, your uncle. He made John his steward. He was grooming him to lead because he knew he would do the right thing, even if it meant giving his life. He gave John the Mormont ancestral sword, Longclaw, <laughs> and Liana <laughs> is just so magnetic. You know, all she is, she just boom, lifts up her hand, 
and the sword just like gravitates right off of John back to her. Yeah. It's like <laughs> Mjolnir. It's like Thor's yeah, yeah. Uh, hammer. Because yeah. <laughs> she's just so magnetic and it's, you know, metal. Um, I just thought that was kind of funny. They strategically didn't mention Longclaw because Liana might be like, uh, yeah, we want that back, actually. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Pretty hilarious. Especially if she wants to fight. Yeah, definitely. So John mentions that they both lost when fighting the army of the dead and Davos, you know, placates a little bit more to Lady Liana. He basically says a divided North is not going to stand a chance against this army of the dead. It's a lost cause. He goes on, you want to protect your people, but you can't hide from this. We have to fight and we all have to do it together. Yeah. We need all of us to win. So I love this. <laughs> the maester leans into whisper in her ear and she like throws up her hand. Yeah. She's like, nope, I've made my decision. And this like, shows also this like reinforces no one coerces or controls little lady Liana. Mormon. No, no, no one. No one. <laughs> She's like the Chuck Norris of Westeros. <laughs> I love her. I yeah. love her so much. I was thinking like, is she in, in the top five most likable characters of this show? I think so. Yeah. Probably, I think she right? could be. Yeah. She's a, a bright light in this show for sure. Oh and my God, I hope we get more of her in season eight. Cause I really do enjoy this actress. She's unbelievable. Yeah. I think we will. We have to. Yeah. She's coming back for sure. So she looks over at John and Sansa. She goes, House Mormont has kept faith with the Starks for a thousand years. Oh, man. So we will not break faith today. Oh, I loved it. So I'm thinking, yes, like this is the army that they've been waiting for. Like (laughs) it's the Mormonts. They're great warriors. Yeah. They can do it with the wildlings and the Mormonts. They got this. John is stoked too. John's like, thank you. How many men can we expect? And she goes, 62. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And John's like, 62. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? Yeah, there's a moment where it's the same camera angle that it showed when she asked him, why should I give one more Mormont life? And it like panned back. And he looks all confused and kind of looked at Sansa. It goes to that same angle of where it's like the confused reaction angle. And yeah. his eyes kind of flicker around a little bit. And he's like, 62? <laughs> like, did I hear that right? Was it 662? 6,062? Yeah. Like, <laughs> she goes, we're not a large house, but we're a proud one. And every man from Bear Island fights with the strength of 10 mainlanders. I love how she calls them mainlanders. Mainlanders, yeah, so cool. And Davos just cuts in because yes. John, I think John was going to maybe poke a little bit more. And Davos saw it in Lady Liana's face. If they're half as ferocious as their lady, the Boltons are doomed. Oh, totally. So great. And Liana's like, I see you, Davos. I see you. (laughs) And her claim about every man from Bear Island fighting with the strength of 10 mainlanders. If, uh, if Jorah Mormont is any sign of the quality of fighters from Bear Island, then that's pretty true. That is true. Jorah can take on a whole crew of people himself for sure. So, and we know Gior Mormont was an incredible fighter and ranger. And in the books, the the Mormont women are known as being particularly, um, you know, excellent warriors. Yeah, because I mean, her mom was down fighting 
with Rob. Yeah, Daisy Mormont as well. Um, another Mormont who's at the Red Wedding. Yeah, so that's your number two, and that's my number one. Yes. Do you have anything else you want to add before we go on to your number one? Uh, I think that pretty much covers it. Lady Liana Mormont is just a joy. Just She truly is. Yeah, she's amazing. Nice. What a great character. So we're going back to the Hound. Yes. My number okay. one is Sandor Returns. Yay. There's a couple things that I want to add throughout the Sandor things. Like one cool thing is before we get the reveal of his face and we see him carrying the log, one detail I noticed that stuck out to me as a hint giving away that it was him. He's limping. Yes, his limp. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, I love the way that he was revealed the music is swelling and rising and the camera starts out low and rises up along his body and backs up, zooms out a little bit and he's standing there facing away from the camera and it's so epic. He turns towards the camera and we see it's the hand. Yes. And it's just a really well done little thing. The excellent music, the reveal is just great. Flows right into the title sequence like you mentioned. I love it. Man, that song's cool. It is. There's one funny part too when Ray walks up to Sandor and he says to him, I think some of the men are a bit afraid of you. He's like, I'm used to it. Yeah, I'm used to it. As if Ray thought Sandor was uncomfortable with the fact that people are afraid of him. But but really, (laughs) Ray is remarking about how the other people are all uncomfortable. (laughs) It's hilarious just the way that Sandor kind of reverses that. And um, another th- interesting thing that I th- noticed was when Sandor was like, you didn't know me in my time. Like, you don't know the horrible things I've done. And Ray is telling him that he has been punished and that he has atoned, essentially. Um, I thought it was interesting that there's like sort of a parallel going on between Sandor and Cersei and Marjorie and Loras as they're being held captive and forced to atone for their sins um, via the seven gods and the shame walk and all of these mechanisms that are available through the faith of the seven. Mm -hmm. Sandor is going through his own sort of crucible and atonement and paying for his past sins in a similar way. Certainly, I love it. Different, but you know, similar. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought that was kind of a cool parallel. So the next scene we get with the Hound is with Ray and all of the faith followers here are sort of gathered into a group and Ray is preaching and he's telling the story of his life and how he's changed and how it's a story of redemption basically and how you can even horrible people can still find the right path. The light of the seven. Yeah, I thought it was a very poignant story, and I was, you know, I thought Ray is a he's kind of a wordsmith. He's really good with these type of monologues and stuff like that. He's a great actor. Yeah, that too. So, so he's talking about how he was a soldier, and everybody thought that he was brave, but he really wasn't, and he was just scared to death that other people would realize how scared he was. So instead of running from fights. He was even more scared of being like called out as a coward, basically. So he's just picking what scared him most. <laughs> it was just kind of a funny concept. And so they were, he was talking about how he would just follow orders, whether he was burning a village or 
stealing crops or killing people and how he just did horrible things and how he remembers this one woman as he's basically about to murder their son, her son. She's screaming at him, calling him animals. And I thought there was a really poignant line where he says, but we weren't animals. Animals are true to their nature and we had betrayed ours. And I was like, wow, that's a really interesting way of thinking about that. Most people think that it's in human nature essentially to do horrible stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's saying that, no, it's like in, in human nature to be good and to be wholesome and friendly. And they were turning their back on what they should have been doing as humans as what they know they should have been doing. So that was kind of cool. And um, he was saying he, that he slit that boy's throat himself Ugh. and uh, listening to his mother scream as his friends held her back. So she couldn't fight it. And in a parallel to the high sparrow, we're getting a story of, of Ray finding his own sort of rock bottom, the way that the High Sparrow did with that drunken orgy. I have that in my notes, too, that this story kind of resembles the, the cobbler story. Right. Like he has this sort of moment where he realizes that he's on the wrong path. And Ray felt such a huge shame. The shame was so heavy that he couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. And it, the camera cuts over to Sandor and he's having a rough time like, listening to this. Like it's obviously <laughs> eliciting huge. It's resonating with him. Yeah, for it's sure. resonating big time. And he like you can tell he just feels such shame and pain at the things that he's done in his life. Then like it's, it's such so much so that it's boiling over, and you can see the anguish on his face. And this is where I have written that his his torment is his atonement, and that his redemption is his repentance. I love it. Very very good. Thanks. Yeah. So he's such a, like an interesting character to me. The hound is just like, he's really bad, but he's also got such good, like deep inside of him, sort of like an, an anti-hero, very gray character. Certainly. There's so many great characters in this show. Yeah, definitely. So Ray goes on about how he was tormented by the memory of the mother's screams and that all he could do was stare into the dark sky that night instead of sleeping and, just hearing the scream over and over in her in his head and he pauses and has a really intense moment where he's his eyebrows like release like it's like the clarity comes on his face right like, yeah it's uh, amazing i'm gonna hear her the rest of my life i'll hear her <laughs> screaming the rest of my life it was like an epiphany that he was having in just that moment yeah it was so intense and i'm thinking wow what a great role just for the single episode really really mm. great role for this guy amazingly uh, powerful speech and that like i was saying before this is the exact type of influence that sandor needs to hear and definitely this is when the bleakness of his speech starts sort of turns around and into the hopeful side of it and the affirmations and he says that even though he was like such a shit and such a horrible person like he's like i know i can never bring that that boy back whose throat that he slit but he recognizes that with the time that he's got left, he, he can he can still bring goodness to this world, even if it's just a little. You know, he can do his part to make the world he a better place. He can make place. a difference in somebody else's life. Yeah, he, he can. You know, instead of introducing sadness, he can he can do the opposite to wherever he can, and he can try. And it's it's never too late to stop robbing people and to stop killing people and to start helping people. And he stares right, right at, at the Sandor hound. and says, it's never too late to come back. 
And this Love reminded it. me of The Walking Dead was like, I don't know, season four or five. Like one of the main themes is um, how we all we get to come back. You know, you like you can go down dark rabbit holes in your in your life where things are horrible and and you go to dark places. You can go a little crazy even, you know, but you can always come back. And this is a message that we receive in in Game of Thrones quite often as well with characters like Reek, for instance, with Theon, who goes to a real dark place, a real, real dark, dark, dickless place. But in this very episode, he's coming back. You know, the same message. It's never too late to come back. Yara's got him in that bar and she's like, listen, like, like, are you with me? Are you ready to be Theon? Like, if you're not ready to be, if you're not going to be Theon, just take your your wrists and just end it. Be done with it. But if you're one, if you want to be Theon, I need you. Like, are you ready? And he's like, it's like, this is Theon's big moment. He's back. He's it's, it's not too late. He was able to come back. He can do it. Even though he did all this horrible stuff, killing Roderick Cassell and the farm boys boys and sabotaging Winterfell and all this. Betraying Rob. Yeah. Betraying Rob. He can still use the time that he has left to try to have a positive impact on the world and to bring a little goodness into the world to quote Ray. So I like that, how that theme is kind of woven throughout the story in various places. Yeah, for sure. Um, And this is a really emotional moment as Sandor is having these realizations about the nature of life and the potential for the power that he does wield. Like, you know, what is it? Spider-Man's uncle says, with great power comes great responsibility. (laughs) Sandor has got a lot of power. And he hasn't necessarily wielded it in the most responsible ways. So Definitely. he's realizing now that he he still has the opportunity to do that and to use his power for good. And it's just really um, intense emotionally to, to you know to see him come around this way and to feel this these types of feelings and to watch him go through this self actualization where he's he's sort of centering himself, kind of like the way Marjorie is coming to grips with her sins, admitting to feeling disgusted by the small people and not actually loving them. Sandor is facing his own sins and finding his center and starting fresh. Like Marjorie said, Loris could do. Yes. Lots of parallels all throughout these characters here. Very much so. So Sandor is taken by all of this as he's seeing these opportunities and Everything's coming into focus in reality for him, but he's distracted as three horsemen ride up the street, up the way. <laughs> and his, those spidey senses, like I mentioned to Spider-Man a minute ago, Sandor's spidey senses start tingling and a look of concern dominates his face as he just gets a bad vibe off of these guys. Mm-hmm, definitely. They're creepy. Yep. And so they ride up and Ray greets them. Seven save you, friends. (laughs) And like Sandor says, not necessarily the best move because these are followers of the Lord of Light. So you basically just showed your cards that you're not on the same team, essentially. (laughs) And um, Lem is sort of interrogating him. What are you doing here? Well, we're talking about life. You? Protecting the people. And I'm like, oh God, right away, this is so sketchy. 
these questions I'm not liking, these answers I'm not liking, you know? Yeah, it's very awkward. It's starting to get a little tense. Yeah, he's like, well, do you have any horses? And Ray's like, nope, no horses, no gold, no steel. I'm like, you know, do you have any horses is a sketchy question. Saying you're protecting the people is kind of sketchy. Like you pay for protection kind of thing. It made me think Mm -hmm. of... And then Lem's like, food then. Protecting the people is hungry work. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Mad sketchy. It's like, well, you can stay for dinner, but we're not giving you stuff. Right. We have hungry mouths here, too. So Lem kind of, like, rejects, like, just blows it, uh, blows this off. And he's just like, stay safe. The night is mm. dark and full of terrors. And they sort of ominously ride away. Dun, dun, dun. Yep. And I'm like, fuck. So we get the Lord of Light reference here with the night is dark and full of terrors. And we know that they're Brotherhood Without Banners, but why are they acting all crazy like this? The Brotherhood Without Banners were like good guys last time we saw them, right? Yeah, so, I don't know. I guess I guess there's bad seeds in every, you know. Yeah, isn't it Thoros that says like they were like they went rogue or something like that? Yeah, there there was a group that went rogue, I believe. We get to learn that next episode because when Sandor arrives to kill Lem, they're already about to be hung by Thoros and uh, oh yeah and everything right so <laughs> I forgot about that pretty interesting so le- they ride off and it's kind of ominous and then it cuts to later on Sandor is splitting wood again doing a lot of that this episode like you said it's cathartic yeah it definitely helps a lot he needs to get that violence out somehow <laughs> and if he can't smash people he's gonna smash wood <laughs> it's like when my two-year-old wants to get violent and get frustrated and hit things we let him like hit pillows on the couch and he goes crazy with right, it. Totally. <laughs> and then it's out of his system. And then he's like snuggling with me two seconds later. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah. So Sandor is jabbing at the, at the, at Ray. He's like seven, save you friends. Like what the fuck was that? He's that like, was the stupidest thing you could have said. He's like, I'm a fucking Septon. What am I supposed to say? And he mentions that like, dude, they don't believe in the seven. They're from the brotherhood. They, they worship the red God. The Red God. We've talked about that before, how Jockin says it and same God. Yeah. So that stuck out, Red God. And then um, Ray's like, well, it doesn't matter anyway. It's not like we have anything for him. And Sandor's like, you fucking idiot. And yes, you do. We have food. We, we've got steel, even if you say you don't. Like, obviously you do. Um, you've got women. And Ray's like, eh, yeah. But like, what do you want me to do? Fight do? them? Yeah. Fight them, kill them. And paralleling Cersei here, remember with Olena saying, what are you going to do? Kill them all? Yep. yep. <laughs> Ray's like, yeah. What, what do you want to do? Kill, fight them, kill them? It would be you against all of them. And I'm like, yeah, it will be. Start of next episode. Sandor is going on a killing spree <laughs> against all those fuckers. He's like, well, you can fight too. Yeah. And uh, Sandor tells him, he's like, well, you know how to fight. Why don't you help? And he's like, I'm done with it. I'm like, ah. So annoying. Even if it meant your life was in danger. Right. And he says, violence is a disease. You don't cure a disease by spreading it to more people. And uh, Sandor says, you don't cure it by dying either. (laughs) And it kind of reminded me of that phrase where uh, people say, you know, an eye for the eye, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. And I'm like, "Eh, eh, eh, no, 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 no. There's one guy left at the end with one eye and he rules over all the blind men. (laughs) <laughs> you just want to be that one guy with that one eye. Yep. <laughs> so, I mean, I've, you know, it's a jape, but the sentiment stands like it, you, you don't cure violence by not being violent either. One way to stop violence is to 
be violent against the aggressors and to stop the aggression. And sometimes stopping the aggression involves violence. Yes. Well, and we get Cersei in the next episode saying that she chooses violence. Right. And from uh, like, and if you're, if you're being violent against somebody and waiving somebody else's rights, you waive your own rights in the process and therefore are subject to the consequences, whatever they may be. Yep. Couldn't agree more. So if somebody wants to step up and protect that person whose rights are being violated, that may mean that you get, you know, punched in the back of the face. Yeah. Yeah. We can say that <laughs> right in the back <laughs> of the face. So Sandor is like, and just goes back to chopping wood and Ray tries to get him to come up, come eat dinner. But Sandor seems to really care about these people. He's like, well, it's going to be cold night. We're going to need wood for the whole night. So I'll stay chopping for a while. And Ray's like, Oh, that's cool. You know, I'll save you bullets too. Thanks buddy. Might even have some ale hidden away. And the hound's like, and oh. that's when, you know, that's the kiss of death. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ale hidden away. Yeah. Okay. Mention something good. Something bad's about to happen. Yep. So then next time we come back to this, to the hound is at the end of the episode, he's chopping down stuff with a machete. And, he stops to take a drink and hears people screaming and he's like, fuck. And he, he sort of goes into guard dog mode and runs toward the source of the screams. But by the time he's there, everybody's dead. Everybody's dead. And it, it made me think of sort of the way, like I mentioned earlier, after John's initial death, he sort of gets missed by every arrow at battle of the bastards, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Sandor is placed out of reach by the grace of the gods here, it seems. And he was not there during this ambush. So thank the gods. Yes. Thank the gods. And uh, so sadly, all those nice people that he was with, who he cared so much about, you know, enough about, he cared enough about them to be preparing firewood to keep them all warm and taken care of. Uh, They're all dead, sadly. And so is, so is Ray Poor Ray, the pacifist. And he looks so creepy hanging there. Yeah, hanging there in the middle of the church. There's something creepy in general about dead people in churches, you know? Yeah. But him hanging there, yeah, he looks super creepy. He's kind of like smiling, like... Yeah, and Sandor is just like, fuck, I told you. I told you you were not safe and you should have you should have been ready to fight. And it's just a lesson about being prepared. Um, you got to have steel and you got to have skills that you can employ um to keep yourself safe I need skills yeah rock climbing skills nunchuck skills bow hunting skills computer hacking skills girls only want boyfriends who have great skills <laughs> <laughs> etc so you can see the change sweep over sandor's face as he it's sort of like that godfather moment just when i thought i was out they pulled me back in they pull me back in. Sandor's like, God damn it. I'm trying to be peaceful and, and nonviolent. And I'm trying to find the, the path of righteousness. And I have to do the right thing. I have to get vengeance. Yeah. But I need to kill a lot of people because of this. <laughs> you know? And he's getting drawn back to violence because that's what he does. That's what he's good at. And luckily for him, he's going to find a path where violence and righteousness will go hand in hand, basically, as yep. he fights against the, the army of the dead in season eight. So he's a born fighter. There's an extra piece of Valyrian steel floating around the North right now. And I think that if anybody is 
deserving and worthy of wielding a nice Valyrian steel blade. Heartsbane. During the onslaught. Yeah, it's the Hound with Heartsbane. So Heartsbane, we see Heartsbane last episode and then cue this episode, we get the Hound. Yeah, there you go. Great connection, yeah. So And they both start with H. <laughs> that that might just be you know, we haven't and we haven't seen the hound in a long time, so right. that could be just a nice little foreshadow. That timing is suspect. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's pretty interesting timing. I will admit, I hadn't even considered that. Back to back. Yeah. Yep, back to back. Pretty epic. Pretty epic. And maybe they didn't do it in the same episode because that might have been too, too obvious. Obvious. Maybe. So they split it up. They are in quite close proximity, though. That's pretty interesting. And they made Sandor's return extremely important by doing it as a cold open. That's we don't true. get very many cold opens in this show. Yeah. So they they placed a lot of emphasis on Sandor Clegane. He's important. He's really important. Yeah. Um, yeah, very interesting. So he looks super pissed there at the end. You see it like wash over his face as he just goes into like, you know, madness has, has, its, has had its day in King's Landing, but it, he's about <laughs> to unleash some madness across the Riverlands, I think. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and we'll see that next time. But he goes over and grabs he's that He's going to be axing bodies instead of logs. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, it's going to be so fucking awesome. Yeah. I can't wait. Remember, that's how it starts off next episode, right? It's just him like walking up on a dude and cutting his head right off. Yeah, I think he's he walks up and he's like, they're mine to kill. Like, at least give me one of them. Yeah, I remember <laughs> the, he guts that guy like right through the nuts. He like, <laughs> like yeah, and he's like, you want to get any last words? And he's like, fuck, you can do better than that. <laughs> Cunt. That's oh, just pathetic. You're shit at dying. Yeah, you're shit at dying. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's the best. Yeah. So, love it. man, we got the hound back. That wraps up my number one. Just so good to see the hound. I remember that the um, the first episode I was ever on of Game of Microphones was the hound. This episode a few years ago. That's it's, right. Uh, it's great yes. to see how things have progressed since then. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Definitely. Happy Game of Microphone anniversary. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so yeah, that wraps up my number one. We've covered your number one as well. Yep. And uh, what do you have for notes? What do you want to start off with for notes? I'm back at River, River Run when the Kingslayer and the Blackfish meet for the first time. Nice. Yeah, so I love this. Jamie's galloping up on this, of course, white horse. Gorgeous. You know, he's just beautiful. And I love Jamie's ar armor with the burgundy and the gold uh, lions on his shoulders. Yeah, really nice armor. It's great. And so we get some really cool camera angles here when he's walking down the bridge. And... um. We get it back from like where the horses are standing. We get an aerial shot of it and he walks right up to the edge. Beautiful. And looks up and he has all these bows and arrows pointed down at him. <laughs> yep. They're like, oh, he's got a golden hand. It's the Kingslayer. Open the gate. <laughs> <laughs> Open the gate. So the gate slowly draws down and he's standing right there and out pops the blackfish. And uh, speaking of his armor, this is the first scene where I noticed um, this armor. It's just, I just thought it was interesting because... 
Lannisters have been wearing it for seasons. Like <laughs> there's been tons of guys running around with this armor on, but I never noticed the details of it until Jamie was wearing it. And I was like, right. wow, this armor is really cool. Yeah. His <laughs> is exceptional. Yeah. Um, and I think we also notice it more too, because we were always used to seeing Jamie in Kingsguard armor. Right. So we're like examining the new outfit. It's like a, it's like, Oh my God, Jamie's wearing something different for once. So it's, noticeable versus the Lannisters. It's just a dime a dozen kind of in the background. Yeah, totally. So Blackfish, he goes Kingslayer. Yeah, every line is a zinger right off the bat. Kingslayer. Blackfish. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't see Sansa and Arya. Why are you here? Do you want to <laughs> yeah. go back into prison? Have you forgotten your vow to Catelyn to bring them home safely? Yeah, offering. <laughs> have you come out to, to resume your captivity? Yeah. Oh my God, that line. Hilarious. Yeah, Hilarious. I love it. And Jamie's like, dude, you know why I'm here? You took this castle back. It belongs to House Free. You're trespassing. You need to leave. Yeah. Um, and the Blackfish is like, or you're, you'll kill Edmure. Zing again. <laughs> um, my nephew's marked for death. Just hang him and be done with it. I don't really fucking care about Ed- Edmure Tully. <laughs> yeah, he's such a floppy fish anyway. <laughs> he is. Um, so Jamie is trying to threaten him. And Blackfish is like, you know what? If you can breach these walls, you can go ahead and try. Um, we're here. We're not going anywhere. We have yeah. provisions for two years. You got two years? Yeah. Do you have two years? You can start us out. <laughs> <laughs> And Jamie's like, why are you fighting a war that's over? And the Blackfish is like, as long as I'm standing, the war is not over. This yes. is my home. I was, I was born, born in this here. castle. Ugh, yes. And I'm ready to die in it. I love it. So Jamie's like, well, why did you even treat with me? Like, why did you even come out here? He goes... I'm basically, I'm, I'm really fucking bored. <laughs> Sieges are dull. I wanted to see you in person and get the measure of you. And Jamie's like, well, yeah, what do you, you know? Now you have. And Blackfish is like, yeah, now I have. I'm disappointed. And oh, I loved man. it. No one wants to have people disappointed in and them. Jamie just looks like crushed. He's like, fuck. I think, I think also this is a person who Jamie has sort of idolized as well. Remember how Davos had said that Black, the Blackfish is like a legendary figure, but it'd be mm-hmm. great to have him on the side of the Starks and Winterfell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jamie has a deep admiration for the Blackfish as well from his various feats throughout the years. So, yeah, Jamie met the Blackfish when he was a squire, and the Blackfish had enthralled him with his tales of the Nine Penny Kings. I th- I'm pretty sure it's a Jamie point of view chapter in the books where this happens. And we get to see that Jamie's like kind of hurt by seeing, by having an idol have such a, a like a low respect level for him. Yeah, definitely. So do you have anything else you want to add here? Um, just that Jamie is sick of his reputation that he has um, as a Kingslayer man without honor and much like the Hound, I'm looking forward to hopefully um, repentance through redemption. Watch their redemption arcs. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm looking forward to some redemption. Me too. So are you up at Deepwood Mott now? Yes, with Lord Glover. He's intense. 
Yeah, he's not stoked about any of this. Yeah. He's like, right off the bat, the answer is no. <laughs> right? I, we just got back. We just got this castle back. <laughs> yeah, right. The, uh, the Ironborn have, had uh, taken it. Yeah, so John's like, well, the Boltons are traitors. <laughs> and I guess his name is Robert. Uh, it's a Robit. Robit Glover. What other houses have pledged to fight for you? And John's like, oh, fuck. Um, House Mormont? 62 men? 62, baby. The bulk of my army is wildlings, okay? Fuck, god damn it. Yeah, and I'm realizing, oh, there could be, like, political issues with northern houses from having wildlings on the squad, basically. They're all so programmed to hate the wildlings. Like, this is an issue. I had neglected to realize the significance of the political... um, intricacies of this situation yeah and we we definitely get this with robot 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 yeah i think either way probably works rob how did you say it i've heard it i've heard it both ways robot. i've heard it robot and robot yeah robot. okay it's like robert kind of just without the r second r and john's like but we've sent ravens to other houses he's like i don't care about the damn ravens can't yeah, believe you have wildlings fighting this is not happening essentially yeah like, and it's it's so brutal he's uh he he says like the, the rumors are true then I, I didn't dare believe them but something that probably hit home for john he's like i received you out of respect for your father and john's like oh you know like yeah damn it that's rough and now i want you to go home yeah get out of here um it's not gonna happen and sansa i would remind you that house glover is pledged to house stock sansa (laughs) is a g oh boom and john's like thank god you know i think he i think he felt awkward saying something like that because he's a snow interesting and not a stark i thought he was like surprised that sansa was that forward about it Maybe that too, but I think he was hoping that she would say something. Well, she definitely did. Yeah, absolutely. And he goes, "Girl, <laughs> so we cried when your when your dad died. Oh, we so lost intense. a shit ton of men to fight for Rob while he was fucking some foreign whore." Right. And he says, "We even called him King in the North." First time in like centuries that somebody's gone by that yeah. title. And he looked at yeah. he looked at John when he said it too. I thought it was kind of like a little bit of a foreshadow there. And then he looks right at Sansa. He goes, I served House Stark once, but House Stark is dead. Damn. Oh, fuck. And everyone's just like, fuck. Yeah, John looks like ruined. <laughs> yeah. Burn. It's horrid. It's so bad. So, so yeah. Um, that's all I have for House Glover. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Yep. Next, we have um, somebody other than Jon Snow who's moping. Yeah. Poor Theon. There's tits flopping everywhere. No. And he's just can't like everywhere he, you know, looks. There's boobs. (laughs) He's so tormented by being dickless. (laughs) Poor dickless Theon. Yeah. So we're like, what are they doing in Volantis, right? And before that, with that scene with Arya, where she pays that, that Westerosi ship captain to take her back to Westeros. Yeah. To Westeros. Um, the conversation that he was having that she starts to listen into when she realizes that he's Westerosi, he's talking about how all these 
these boats in Volantis have arrived of the Ironborn. Oh, so, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, they're mentioning how the Ironborn are in, in Volantis, and he's like, I'm staying the hell away from those nutcases. Because they're on their way to the Dragon Queen, yes. so they have to go through Volantis. Yep. So they're stopping off at the whorehouse, and totally. we, we see that Yara is... Into chicks. Into chicks. And guys i guess too yeah, yeah, i yeah, don't know yeah. i don't know i mean do we um, ever really see her with a guy we only see her with a girl well, she didn't seem too disappointed when theon was feeling her up no but she knew who her brother she knew it was her brother right true so she was like fucking with him <laughs> yeah i can't imagine she liked that <laughs> in any way <laughs> yeah hope um, so hopefully hopefully and she does kind of make an advance on Danny when she finally meets Danny. Oh, She's totally like, and does. I assume that your, you know, proposal doesn't in- include a marriage. And she's like, well, I'm kind of up for anything. Like, <laughs> hey, girl. <laughs> right. Yeah. She's like outward. outward and doesn't Danny in the books have some like lesbian stuff lesbian moments it's not with necessarily her. that she's interested in women but there no, is no but a, she like uh, yeah, her handmaiden like, like gets her off yeah totally i think it's like jiqui or eerie or one of them one of them yeah yeah they're on like are they on a boat yes okay yeah i remember that vaguely i read the passage on one of the still smug episodes it's a uh, danny's handmaiden eerie they're traveling to Marine on a boat and Danny is restless. She can't sleep. She's imagining a guy next to her in her tiny little bunk on the ship instead of her handmaiden. And she basically starts touching herself. And at some point, the dragons sort of stir and that wakes up Eerie, who catches Danny <laughs> and she's all embarrassed. But instinctively, Eerie just basically goes to help her out and get the job done. At which point, Danny screams. Or was it Drogon? Another little hint of a possible mental connection between the two. Yeah, so Yara is really she's really digging into Theon. She's making fun of him and She's trying to get him to drink. Yeah, and she's like, fuck, you're just such a bitch. She's like, like, I don't want to drink. Talk about a dark rainy cloud over my parade. Yeah, and she realizes like, that it's time for an intervention here, basically. And they're so they're such a rough people. They're so Viking like. Like their their like pep talks are super intense. Like if you don't think you can be here, just fucking kill yourself because I am done <laughs> with this like beat dog version of you. Like, can you get there? And if you can't like just be done with it and right, move like on you, you don't have a dick but you're in a whorehouse use your fingers motherfucker wake up yeah yeah <laughs> so she keeps asking him to drink and she's like i'm never gonna hurt you and he he's freaking out because he knows that Euron is still out there right she's like yeah, of he's course he's hunting us we're always gonna be a threat to him it's funny um, though how she sends away the whore to have the intervention yes she's like yes. all right stay close but I need to handle some business, babe. I'll be right back with you. Yeah. <laughs> and she like bites her booby. Oh man. I missed that. Um, she kind of like, yeah, kisses and like nibbles at it. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, it's a great big world and we have fast ships. Drink. <laughs> Theon's chugging. He takes like the tiniest little sip. Ah, oh, 
yeah. And she's like, no, she's really like, drink. Like, <laughs> you're ironborn. Like, you've had some bad years. And Theon's like, uh, bad years? I was fucking tortured and my dick got chopped off. <laughs> some bad years. <laughs> like, if that constitutes as bad years, then okay. <laughs> right. She's like, I need you, the real Theon, not this rat shit pretender. Can you find him for me? Drink. Classic. She just continues to kind of just like try to pep him up, basically. Yeah, it's, and it's interesting. It's like her her tactic is really peer pressurey and super substance abusey <laughs> and emotionally traumatizing. <laughs> but she's trying in her own way to bring Theon back to make him feel to make him like real again to give him strength and everything. So yeah, and they have it. a goal. They're gonna, you know, if you're gonna kill yourself, kill yourself. But if not. I need you, Theon. We're going to go to Marine. We're going to make a pact with this dragon queen mm. and we're going to take back the Iron Islands. Yeah. She's like, you escaped. You know, you, you got away. Like, we're, you have the chance to be Theon again. We're going to do all yeah. this big stuff. Just and snap he, into it. Man. He agrees. He's like, okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. And yeah. she goes, well, since it's my last night ashore for a long while, I'm going to go fuck the tits off this one. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> she also, there's another interesting line too where she's pep talking him and she's like, She's like, we'll get justice for you. And he's like, if I got justice, my burnt body would hang over the gates of Winterfell. He's like, self-actualization. Like, the hound, like, why, you know, I should have, why haven't I been punished? Like, that's what Theon thinks he needs is more punishment. But he's been punished. You know, he has a dick cut off, etc. Dick in a box. She, yeah, Yara's like, fuck justice then. We'll, we'll get revenge. <laughs> drink. And she keeps making him drink more and more. <laughs> yeah. Nice. That's yeah. kind of all I had for the Ironborn. Cool. Yeah. There's a, just one thing to add. Basically there's the moment she's like, are you with me? Are you really with me? And he like raises his head up and locks eyes with Yara and nods. And it's like in that moment, you can see that Theon is back. He's like really back. It's Theon sitting there. Yeah. Locked eyes with his sister and he nods and you can see the resolve on his face. And it's just like a huge moment for Theon. Nice. This is the, the moment where he's really back. Yeah, it's it's good. It's nice to see him back. And Yara's as as bad as any guy on this show in terms of debauchery and <laughs> and like exploitation of women and stuff. Totally. Hilariously. Nice. So next we're at the Stark encampment. Yes. Which is where Stannis had been camped, apparently, on his way to Winterfell. And we hear this. You know, from Davos's perspective, he suggested it because he was the most experienced commander in Westeros, and he chose it for a reason. Yeah. That the, mount the mountains were a barrier, they yep. had water, um, and they both agree, you know, we need to march on Winterfell as soon as we can because the snows are what also defeated Stannis, not just the Boltons. Yep. So, she he's like, well... Fuck, you know, we have 2,000 wildlings, 200 hornwoods. 143 mazens. Mazens and 62 mormonts. Don't forget the 62 mormonts. It's not really what they'd hoped for, but if we're careful and we're smart, we, we may have, you know... A chance. <laughs> a chance. <laughs> and Sansa seems a little bit irritated that... Yeah, Davos, get, Davos runs off to break off a fight and Sansa is talking with John. Yeah, and so she's like, so he's your most trusted advisor because he secured 62 men from a 10-year-old? 
<laughs> and I think she's kind of mad because yeah. I think I think she thought that John was gonna have use use her knowledge of Ramsey of his you know like why aren't you asking me these questions I was fucking married to the guy oh right he's your trusted advisor not me like I have some information you might like I was married to him yeah good point good point like and I'm your sister yeah she goes through a whole series of criticisms of various things. And I'm like, damn, on paper, all of what she's saying makes really good sense. It's totally true. Like Davos was Stannis's man for years. Uh, but who Stannis, who lost to Blackwater, who murdered his own brother, who doesn't have a head. <laughs> yeah, who fucking died yeah. and burned his own daughter. <laughs> I'm like, zing, you know, and uh, she she just nails like and she's all like, this. dude, we need more men. We have like not even half the men that Ramsey does. Like, I don't know what you're doing. And this is eerily, eerily paralleling Stannis's situation where they were running out of time. They were having like having men abandon them and Stannis refused counsel and pressed forward. And just like Stannis did, John's like, there's no time. We fight we with the army we have. And Davos is dealing with this stupid fight. <laughs> and yeah, it's pretty funny. And while he's dealing with that. Sansa kind of spies the maester of Bear Island. We get a very small glimpse of Lady Lyanna. She's yeah. there. Like, She's damn, there she with them. She rode with them. She's she rode gangster, with them. Dude. Um, and she, Sansa sees the ravens, and so it cuts to the the next scene, and she's oh. in the tent, and she's writing a letter, and. Yep. She signs it Sansa Stark and uses the Stark wax press. Oh, and it's—I believe it's the letter to Littlefinger asking for basically help. Basically right? saying, "I need your help." Yeah, totally. Yep, I think so too. So yeah, nice. That's all the notes that I have. Yeah, same here. That wraps it cool. up for this episode. Great episode. Lots of good stuff happening. Um, for hints sure. of hope and redemption. And lots of lots of emotions. Yeah, lots of lots of powerful emotional bits. Lots of big moves by characters. Yeah, just a really really great episode all around. Um, except nice. for Arya being stabbed, which is just totally unrealistic. <laughs> yeah. But we get a random. return of a great character, the Hound, after a couple years without him, or like a you know year and a half. Definitely. And um, yeah. Solid, cool. solid episode. Good another season six episode. All right. Thanks. We'll be right back. Stick with us, guys. And we're back with Game of Thrones and History. From townandcountrymag.com, the real people that inspired Game of Thrones. These historical figures were likely G. George R. R. Martin's muses. By Nancy Billio. William the Conqueror. If someone put a Valyrian steel blade to my throat and told me to pick a real-life monarch who inspired Martin, it would have to be William the Conqueror. There's a little of the 11th century Conqueror in a lot of different Game of Thrones characters. William took England's throne from King Harold brutally after the invasion of 1066. Warmongering and bastards are a go-to staple for Gurm, and in real life it was William, illegitimate son of Duke Robert of Normandy, who set the pace for I'll show daddy in the medieval world. In his novels, Martin writes a lot about conquerors who quote, cross the sea, unquote, to take a throne, and William did just that. 
Others tried it after him, after him, such as Henry VII returning from foreign exile with an army in 1485, and it worked. And Bond Princess Charlie, who left France to take the English throne in 1745. It didn't work. <laughs> Next, we have Attila the Hun. Coming second in the similarity stakes is the 5th century's ultimate warlord, who roared out of the Mongolian grasslands on horseback to conquer the known world. Sound like a certain Khal Drogo we all love and miss? <laughs> Attila was even betrothed to a very much non-Hun royal, Honoria. She married Attila to get away from the brother she hated, Roman Emperor Valentilian III. More echoes of the Dothraki soap opera? Attila died on his wedding day to a gorgeous young woman, poisoned, some say. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Next, Anne and George Boleyn. There yes. are echoes of Anne Boleyn and her brother George in those lovable rascals Cersei and Jamie Lannister. Anne was famously the second wife of Henry VIII, but when the marriage soured, the beautiful queen grew closer than ever to her brilliant, handsome, loyal brother. One of the charges against Anne Boleyn in her 1536 treason trial was incest with George, a charge the siblings denied and one most historians doubt was true. Henry just wanted to pile on the charges to get rid of her and put wife number three beside him. <laughs> when you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die, remember? Have you watched The Tudors? Oh, yeah. We've talked about a bit about it before. Great show. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Excellent Maybe show. I'll watch it again. I love it. It's so good. Next, we have Cleopatra. Yeah, yeah. It comes up more in the books than in the TV series, but the Targaryen royals practice incest in their ancient dynasty to keep the bloodline pure. Yuck. Yuck. That's what the ancient Egyptians did, too. Cleopatra was the daughter of Ptolemy Twelfth, and Cleopatra V, who was either his sister or his niece. When Ptolemy died, Cleopatra became co-ruler along with her younger brother and future husband, Ptolemy Thirteenth. But she wasn't having it, and her sibling died, drowned in the Nile after her brother and sister went to war with each other. Sounds like the Dance of Dragons, except with the reverse outcome. Cleopatra went on to rule gloriously and violently. We really hope Daenerys doesn't end up cuddling with an asp. Because that's how Cleopatra died. Uh, an oh. asp is a snake, and she clutched it to her breast, and it bit her. And it bit her? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's debated, really. Cleopatra's physician, Olympos, did not explain the cause of her death. Plutarch tells the asp tale, but says that the poison was scratched into her skin with like a, um, an implement, like a cheese grater or something. Dio says she injected it with a needle. Strabo claims it was an ointment of some kind. Um, no, no snake was found with her body, but apparently she did have a couple little puncture wounds on her arm, technically. So that is very interesting. What happened? Yeah. Cool. What's that sound? What? Sir Matthew of House Rep. The world of Game of Thrones is filled with cripples, bastards, and broken things. Ain't that the truth? Oh, yeah. The Broken Man episode re reintroduces us to none other than Sandor Clegane trying to put his violent past behind him. Theon is a broken man, finally coming back around to some of his former composure with help from Yara. 
Jamie is a physically broken man since losing his fighting hand, but that doesn't stop him from being a boss at River Run. Nice. I love these. Yeah. I didn't even pick up on this theme. So true. Me, same here. And Edmure is definitely broken after two years in prison. <laughs> he looks like hell. <laughs> but he wasn't all there to begin with. <laughs> I love how the costume department outfitted all the Tully fighters in scale mail to accentuate their fishiness. Yeah, that's a great touch, too. Yeah, and the blackfish's armor is super detailed. It's so cool looking. Yeah, those leather scales look sick. I love it. So is it metal or leather? I think they're leather scales. I do, too. The it was hard to tell, though, on the blackfish. I felt like... The Tully army was in leather, but I felt like maybe the Blackfishes was in metal. The Kingsguard armor does have metal scale, so there is a precedent oh. for metal scale on the show. Okay. And in the, uh, in the books, the metal scales of the Kingsguard armor is enameled white. Ooh. So they have like white scales all over their armor. It's pretty cool. Looks like he has chainmail sleeves. It's hard to tell. I think it might be leather. Yeah, I think so. Lord Axel of House Erickson. Love the defiance of the Blackfish, a.k.a. the Siege of River Run. Yes. The Blackfish is, like Duncan would say, a true G. A true for G. For sure. Yes. Oh, yeah. The Stark cause is basically hopeless at this point, but he remains loyal. Well, at least loyal to the Tully cause. <laughs> Because he refuses to send troops up with Sansa, right? That's correct. Mm, interesting. Before I did a thing that demanded a bit of bravery from me last year, I actually went back to read this chapter to gain inspiration from Brandon Tully's bravery. Oh. That's when art is best, in my opinion, and it helped. Interesting. Dude, that's so, so awesome. That's cool. So you had to do something that required a bit of bravery. And you went and read this chapter to gain strength from Brendan Tully. Yes. That's, that's so cool. That's so badass. Nice. Congratulations, dude. Yeah, that's glad awesome. it helps. That's killer. Good call. Thanks for writing in. Yeah, always good to hear from you, brother. Lady Alicia of House Stout. I remember watching this episode for the first time and seeing the cold open. I didn't know it was the hound until he was seen walking by himself carrying the tree. Then it was like this light bulb went off and I was super excited. Yes, me too, yeah. Lady Alicia. <laughs> Sandor is back, baby. Woo woo. I usually find comparisons to the theme of the show and its title, but I truly think this episode, The Broken Man, is a clear depiction of the Hound and no one else. Nice. Nice. This is why I love the feedback so much because we have Sir Matthew of House Rep and he picked up on other kind of broken man. Yeah. But they're like lesser version of how broken the hound is. And right. we have Lady Alicia just thinking. This is the main focus on the hound. It's the main focus. So I love it. I love that so much. Lord Johnny of House Stower. Hey, Lord Johnny. What's up? We love the picture of the bunch of chickens. <laughs> yeah, he sent a picture of a bunch of chickens. I'm wondering what he means by that. Is that a bunch of Brotherhood Without Banners guys that Sandor is about to destroy? <laughs> what what is the chi what do the chickens mean? Send us some yeah, some more details. Let us know. Drive and, one of your amazingly painted bikes over and let us know. Yeah. Also, yeah. Lord Johnny of House Store totally just won a a, a painting competition for a motorcycle that he painted. Looks amazing. House of Color K O L O R on Facebook. Um, 
It was unreal. And did you? Okay, so I looked at the bike. It had like the the red, reddish orange, and the gold. Yeah. Didn't the gold part kind of look like it had dragon scales? Oh yeah, they're like little hexagons in there. Oh, like, is that what it is? Hexagons. I think yeah, hexagons like honeycomb. It's like a honeycomb pattern. Looks oh, like scales. it gave me like this, um, like scaly look. It was so badass. Yeah, it's so so cool. Love it. Really great. Amazing. Congratulations. Glows. Yeah. Congratulations. Well-deserved win. He defeated a guy who apparently had never been defeated before too. So boom. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, that was the first show that he brought it to. He's now won a second show slash painting competition. So that's badass. Fuck. Yeah. I think Sir Johnny lives fairly close to me. Yeah. Somewhere out in California out there. Sir Patrick of hindsight. I think this is an episode about broken men juxtaposed with strong, intact, steadfast women. Olena actually grows to hate slash res- to hate respect Cersei. First time I caught this, Cersei, you love your granddaughter. I love my son. It's the only truth I know. She's paraphrasing Reigns. Oh. Only a cat of a different coat. That's all the truth I know. Ooh, interesting. Oh my goodness. That's very interesting. Arya struts around with her hands behind her back like a rich person's <laughs> hashtag Tyria. <laughs> her hands aren't behind her back for long. Note all the smoke in the air after she emerges from the salt water. Just saying rebirth is a bitch. Just ask Sandor. Another theoretical resurrection oh, is reborn yeah. from salt and smoke. I think smoke. that's it. <laughs> salt and smoke like a ham. Yeah. Ooh. The Frey siege camp is so orderly and disciplined. I can't wait to see the black fish in season eight. Yes. I am confused by that. So um, orderly wait, and disciplined. Wait, the black fish in season eight? Yeah, so, so maybe he's thinking that the black fish escapes here. Oh, Even though maybe. Jamie's told that he's killed next episode or whatever coming up. Oh, because we don't see it. Because he's so all about tinfoil. Yeah. Jamie stares into the black river before his parley with Brynden, symbolic of confronting his dark reflection. Ooh, very nice. This is what he becomes if he stays at war and never gets back to Cersei. Also, he drowns in season seven, so... (laughs) Oh my god. First time I recognized Volantis. Yara tells Theon to cut his wrists if he can't go on, and I swear I I hear a bit of the creepy Melisandre music when she does. Interesting. I'll have to go back and listen for that. Sansa questions Davos's tactical wisdom. To her credit, he did just give terrible advice. <laughs> the mountains that, quote, create a natural fortification, unquote, are exactly how Ramsay and 20 men were able to sneak in and wreak havoc. Mm. Classic. I don't think the Boltons know that John is on the march. He knew that Stannis was on the march. Mm. So he maybe had figured out that, that, that they would stop there. But I don't think the Boltons know that John is coming yet. Yeah, what do I think you you're think? Right. What do you think about that? Also, John probably knows the area, so he would be familiar with potential ways that the Bolton army might try to sneak attack them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think the Boltons know necessarily that the Stark and Wildling army is on the way. Although Ramsay did invite him, come and see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lord Brandon of House Ushery Hill. Have you guys heard the theory that when one of the Stark kids do something majorly wrong, it costs them their direwolf's life? 
I thought that was a neat thing to bring up. Ooh. Yeah, interesting. pretty interesting. So let's see. Sansa betrays Arya. Arya. Yep, right off the bat, we lose okay. the lady. Rob, maybe what marries Talessa? Yeah, marries the foreigner and loses okay. track of the war effort by sabotaging the Frey alliance. Bran goes into a warging state and gets touched by the Night King. Yep. And Rickon gets caught by the Boltons. <laughs> gets caught. That's bad. <laughs> bad enough, I guess. Something wow. majorly wrong. He also didn't zigzag, although uh, <laughs> although he was. But the dog was, or was or the wolf already. was already dead. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Nice. I like that. What else? Yeah, Nymeria is still alive because Arya has been pretty good, and Ghost is still Ghost alive. Ghost is still alive because John's been squeaky clean. And that's it. Yeah. Very interesting. Hopefully, uh, hopefully our friend our Starks be- behave themselves to <laughs> to Sansa, keep those wolves around. <laughs> John. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, Sansa already lost her wolf. Oh, wait. What? Yeah. What am I talking about? Arya. <laughs> Arya. Yep. Thanks, everybody, for writing in. Always good to hear from you. Yes. Thank you, guys. All right. That's our show. Episode 99. Thanks for Woo! listening, everybody. I can't believe we're almost to episode 100. Yeah, I know. Right. It's so cool. A huge thank you to John Bailey, the epic voice guy from the Emmy-nominated Honest Trailers for announcing our show. If you'd like to donate or subscribe to support us, you can go to paypal.me slash gompodcast or patreon.com slash gompodcast to donate an amount of your choosing. There are links to both at gameofmicrophones.com. Doing some online shopping? Go to gameofmicrophones.com and click on our link to Amazon. As an Amazon associate, we earn from qualifying purchases. Any contribution you make helps, and you can help secure the continued existence of Game of Microphones. We'd like to thank our patrons, Sir Matthew of House Rep, Lady Lucy of House Roberts, Lady Candace of House Twos, Lady Terry of House Theodore, Lord Jeff of House Allen, Sirenicide, and Luke the Low Duke. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate your support. Seven blessings to all of you. Yes. And make sure to check out Sirenicide, the serialized horror drama podcast featuring me and Archmaster Stitches. Go to sirenicide.com and download it wherever you get your podcasts. We also want to give a huge shout out to Lady Lisa of House Sky, Pie Romancer. She has been critical behind the scenes working to get our website, gameofmicrophones.com, up and running. She is an incredibly gifted artist. You need to check out her illustrated children's book, The People You May See, now available on Amazon.com. It's seriously amazing, and I love the concept behind it. Yeah. Too. It's it's wonderful. Definitely. Thanks, Lady Lisa. Yes, thank you. You can check her work out at fineartsbylisa.com and on Instagram and Facebook slash fineartsbylisa. Next episode, we'll be covering Season 6, Episode 8, No One. Give it a watch and send us your thoughts. We'd love to read them on air. Episode 100 for Game of Microphones, you guys. That's awesome. Benchmark. If you'd like to call, you can always call us at 813-JOFFREY. That's 813-563-3739. If you would like to write in, you can email us at ravens at gameofmicrophones.com. Check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash gompodcast. 
and slap. Oh. You can also listen to Gamer Microphones on YouTube, BitChute, and Steemit. Just search for Gamer Microphones to find our channel. Likes, comments, and shares are also appreciated. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Minds at GOM Podcast. And we're on Tumblr, too, at Game of Microphones. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening. Nice. What kept you going? Eight. No, there's a reason you're still here. Aye, there's a reason. I'm a big fucker and I'm tough to kill. No, a reason. Gods aren't done with you yet. I think it may foreshadow how the hound goes. I think the mountain's going to kill the hound if it happens. Really? If it, if it happens, oh, yes. Oh, man. If there's a Clegane bull, you think the mountain's going to kill the hound? I think so. Damn. That's dark. As Sandor is still um, stacking the wood, he goes, he was a woman. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> and Ray just starts busting up laughing. It's ma'am. <laughs> and now here he is rolling with... A scepter. A uh, septon. Yeah, a yeah. septon. I always get those two confused. <laughs> Sep with, uh, septa? A septon for Sep man. Septon is the guy. A septa is the, our females. And then the, and a the sept is the place. <laughs> oh, the sept. <laughs> There's no scepter. No, nope. That's, well, a scepter is like a, it's like a staff kind of, but yeah, there's, we haven't really seen, maybe this high septon has a scepter. I bet. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord of Light, you know, Sandor seems to have some kind of like perverse connection with the Lord of Light ever since his youth and the burning of his face when he was like oh. face to face with his God, you could say. Yeah, and Ray even brings that up in this scene too, because Sandor goes, why haven't they punished me? And Ray goes, they have. Right. They burned his face. Burned his face and then just like the torment that he, he like constantly lives with like the regret of his, of, you know, of, of things that he's done and things he's been forced to do. The shame he feels as like, I have it written down, uh, what is it? His torment is his atonement and his redemption will be his repentance. I love it. That's amazing. And it's like, you know, another like mental loop or I don't know. She's creeping. Yeah, and Olena <laughs> is like, what the fuck is she doing here? Does it move or talk? <laughs> <laughs> it. Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Septa Unella has been my true friend and counselor. And I'm like, Jesus. And Olena oh is like, what the fucking fuck? What, what, what? Brainwash. <laughs> like, what? what is going on here? She's like, this is madness. Just like Mace said last episode, remember? <laughs> madness has had its day. <laughs> yeah, have, it's having another day now, apparently. Arya getting stabbed by the waif. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's true. I think Arya might be taller. <laughs> she's such a shrimpling, you know? She's tiny. She is. She's so tiny. I was like, fuck. What a cool looking old woman they got for that scene, though. Sweet girl. And I was like, <laughs> oh, fuck. 
And then she pulls her face off and it's the waif. The yep. plain Jane crazy fucking waif. The plain oh, Jane. I hate her. <laughs> I hate her. <laughs> totally. Happiness and excitement as she's uh, planning to leave and her storyline is accelerating and exciting things are happening and she's on her way home. And now home. she's going back. Yeah. yeah. And the music is all happy. Like maybe she'll go to Winterfell and see Sansa. And then ring, ring, ring. Stabbing her. Yes. <laughs> Our houses are both fucked because of you and your stupidity. And I'm like, yes. but doom, but a motherfucking doom. Bam. Right. She's like, I made a terrible mistake and I carry it with me every day. And Ona, Olena's like, good. Fuck you. You should. The worst. <laughs> Olena is on fire here. She is roasting Cersei on an epic level. I love her so much. Yeah. Right. And if you've got half a brain... You'd peace out too, woman. Yeah. <laughs> and if you have the intellectual bandwidth of a gnat, you would get out of here as quickly <laughs> as you can as well. <laughs> and Cersei's like, never. I'll never do that. That's the silver lining is that you are tasting the shit end of the stick. <laughs> yes, for you've lost and I yeah. love it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I love this. Yeah, it's like, that's like saying I have a bigger cock than anyone in the Unsullied army. Come on, man. Like, Lannister army is full of twats. <laughs> <laughs> Will somebody get this mana castle? I was like, I don't remember who this is. It's the floppy fish. None of that. Good thing we're friends. We'd be fucking you in the ass right now. Yeah, she's so cute, too. And it's Lady Liana Mormont. Lovely little Lady Liana Mormont. Quadruple LM. <laughs> Little lady Liana. Yeah, four. Um, so, <laughs> um, and it's just great to see two honed minds clash or dance. It's cathartic. Yeah, it definitely helps a lot. He needs to get that violence out somehow. <laughs> and if he can't smash people, he's going to smash wood. Sandor's like, God damn it, I'm trying to be peaceful and, and nonviolent, and I'm trying to find the, the path of righteousness. And I have to do the right thing. I have to get vengeance. Yeah, but... I need to kill a lot of people because of this. <laughs> and he's getting drawn back to violence because that's what he does. That's what he's good at. And luckily for him, he's going to find a path where violence and righteousness will go hand in hand, basically, as yep. he fights against the, the army of the dead. You know, madness has, has, its, has had its day in King's Landing, but it, he's about <laughs> to unleash some madness across the Riverlands, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. You got two years? Do you have two years? Are you going to start us out? <laughs> and then he looks right at Sansa. He goes, I served House Stark once, but House Stark is dead. Damn. Oh, fuck. And everyone's just like, fuck. Yeah, John looks like ruined. <laughs> yeah. Burn. It's horrid. It's so bad. So, so Yeah. Yeah, they're mentioning how the Ironborn are in, in Volantis, and he's like, I'm staying the hell away from those nutcases. Fuck, you know, we have 2,000 wildlings, 200 hornwoods. 143 mazens. Mazens and 62 mormonts. 62. Don't forget the 62 mormonts. Aria. 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 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.